Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. We are back again, me and Shaka, to break down week 10 of the NFL season. And I tell you, many people out there will say this was probably the best slate of games that we have seen all season. Shaka, how you doing today? What's going on, football people? There are a lot of fantastic finishes this weekend, that's for sure. A lot of fantastic finishes this weekend. It was really, really exciting. I think with all the ratings issues that's been going on with the football season, this week did not disappoint one bit. But, Shaka, we got to start out with your New York Jets and a game that definitely probably did not garner the same amount of uh, ratings and viewers that the Seahawks-Patriots game garnered. But you did get an opportunity to see Bryce Petty start at quarterback. Shaka, give me some of your thoughts about this Jets-Rams game. Well, I've moved on to the acceptance phase of grief <laughs> at this point. So I think I think at this point I'm I've accepted the fact one that Jet season is over. Yeah. Two, yeah. I am glad we got to see the surprise start of Bryce Petty this weekend. Yeah. Even though I feel like some people knew it was it was imminent. Now Bryce Petty didn't look terrible. Okay. He actually looked pretty solid out there. Um this, he was playing a hell of a defense. This Rams defense, I, you know, is not a that's joke. True. I will say he did look he looked pretty comfortable out there, which is kind of a relief because I could not say the same ever about Geno Smith, which always made me nervous. He just looked he had happy feet out there always. He looked mm-hmm. like he was waiting for a blindside sack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Bryce Petty, not so much the case. Uh poise in the pocket. I think the offensive play calling was a bit conservative for him, especially in the second half. Yeah. But I think in the first half, he got a little bit of a chance to air it out, he got it to open it up, threw it to one guy who he was comfortable with. Looking up his name right now, it's Robbie Anderson. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you know the two of them have the probably season. been playing in practice for a while now, and it's like the guys who the backups are going to be the most familiar with are like the practice squad guys, the third string wideouts. Exactly. Robbie Anderson had three catches, sixty-nine yards. That was, that's his partner in crime, especially from uh, from the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall didn't really do much in this game. No. If you're looking at fantasy options. I mean, at this point, he did have that great lateral. Um, to get the Jets the only scoring touchdown of the game. I mean, that was a but, really nice touchdown. Like they had to, they had Marshall to pull some. They've rehearsed that in practice. They practiced that. They've done that in drills since the preseason. They're ready for it. It's part of the package. You know, it looked perfect. Considering that, I think they wanted to give a little confidence to Bryce Petty. Kind of, you know, that was a nice play call that clearly they were ready for. You know, they had it was a little, it was a gadget play. They had to pull something out of a hat. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's a little confidence that you want to give. You know, your young quarterback in his first NFL start. It was pretty nifty. I, I, I really, I thought that was cool. Um, a little change of pace. It, threw the, it definitely caught the Rams by surprise, I think, too, especially. Um, the uh, Besides that, I think, really, this game, if you did not get to see it, you did not miss a damn thing. It was, I think the most exciting point besides that, um, that lateral was the 78-yard punt by the um, Rams kicker. It was pretty much just the highlight of the game. It was a snooze fest. Dude, you know, the Rams punter ends up being one of the highlights of their team almost every single week. I mean, this is a Rams team that won 9-6 to six and kicked three field goals. <laughs> I mean, aside from that, there's most of the talk, especially, you know, here in New York City, is about Darrell Rivas finally admitting that he is, in fact, old. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a laugh. I think he... I think which is, which is a laugh, but... Constant it, questioning, um, yeah. you know, on his part about... You know, you got burned again this week. You got burned. You got burned. He knows. He knows he got burned. Yeah. 
And, and he's playing in the New York metropolitan area. If anybody is familiar with that, that media coverage, it's him. He yeah. knows what they're about. The, the New York media, they don't. you make a mistake and they will marinate. They'll just let you ruminate on it. How do you feel about getting your ass kicked this week? Yeah. You know, it's just it's constant. And, and, I think you just kind of tired. You're like, look, I'm old. Yeah. And and Revis is someone you know he's not going to mince words about it. At least you know at least he kind of gives them something to eat. And you know it's like here, here you go, here's your bone. Let's move on. Let's get back to football. Whether he's old or not, whether he's losing her step or not, which I mean I think he clearly is. It's not going to change the contract he's in. He's not going to cut. They're not going to cut him before the end of the season. Maybe they're going to have that discussion no. in the off season. But it's like listen, let's get back to football. I forget the numbers, but I think he counts as like six million against the cap, which means there's a possibility they might cut him. It just depends. Also, there's talk about moving him to the safety position, but um, again, that's all you know down the road after the season, kind of. But now I think it's tryout period. Ray Petty looks promising. I still need to see more. Fitzpatrick, you know, obviously is, he supports, but he still wishes, you know, that he's the guy out there playing. No, I don't really care so much about that. I mean, I like to see a balance between Matt Forte and Bryce Petty kind of getting a little bit more of a chance to air the football out. I mean, listen, I think it was a really big step that, that Todd Bowles gave Bryce Petty the start. I mean, this is a true opportunity of planning for the future. I mean, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. I mean, you've been saying it since the very beginning of doing of this season about how you know, give us Fitzpatrick, but if if it's not Fitzpatrick, let's see what the future holds. Let's give, let's let Price Petty go out there, get his feet wet, and learn. You know, the hard way. You know, you know. Listen, he, these are kind of safe losses. The season is already called. You know, if he's yeah. losing games, it's not like there's going to be the pressure of, you know, a possible playoff spot. This is really an opportunity to go out there and get some real time gameplay. And, I mean, I commend uh, Todd Bowles for doing this. I mean. It's probably taking a step back, but it's something that needed to happen. Do you agree? I wonder, um, in part, how much management had to do with this decision. I think they really wanted to play to compete to win. But in reality, I mean, you're now 3-7. and seven. Yeah. Before the game, you were 3-6, and six, and you're in a division where the Patriots are, you know, at this point, they're doing the Vegas odds on their Super Bowl chances. Yeah. So, you know, you're not really in the picture. You have seven games to kind of let this, uh, you know, unknown product play. It will develop and see what you have and know if, God, we got to go back into the draft and get another quarterback or we really have to move Christian Hackenberg's, you know, um, maturity along just to kind of development, you know, just to see what you have. So yeah. I'd say you got seven games to figure out if that is a man or not. All right. By the way, I just looked up. Uh, Darrell Revis says a, a $15 million cap hit next year. Uh, if they cut him... There will be eight million in dead money, and they will save about seven million. So eight million in dead money—that's that's a lot. That's a lot of money. I mean, you might as well hang on. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be back next year. Yeah, just hang on to him. I mean, and I think at that point, to kind of is uh, his acknowledgement that you're stuck with me. Like, we're, this is not not my ideal situation to be <laughs> an aging superstar. Another reason yeah. why he was probably shameless about the fact that he's aging because he's like, dude, I got my money. I'm not going anywhere. Even if they cut me, I get paid. Like He had he had it in the interview as well. He had this comment, which I kind of agree with, but he said he was like, you know, um, he's like, I'm being paid for past performances as well as potential future performances. If Peyton Manning went out and threw three interceptions in the game, no one's talking about how much money he's, 
you know, naked on the books. Wow. So that's a good point. Dude, he's calling him out, man. He's 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 saying, listen, you want to play the media game? I'll play the media game. He's taking shots at the New York media. Yeah. And, you know, he, granted, before he was making the big money, he was like, you know, I should be paid what I deserve, paid what I deserve. And now he's making it. He's like, why are we always talking about the money? Yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is the guy who's been through at least two or three contract holdouts in his career. Yeah, really. That's pretty much like the the highlight of his career, besides being called Rivas Island, is the the holdouts. Oh man, so many holdouts. Uh, let's talk real quick. Let's let's talk about the Rams. There's not too much to say. Kenny Britt, consistently still a fantasy producer. It's hard to trust him every single week, but again, he puts up a hundred yards, like. Kenny Britt is the sneaky pickup that if, you know, people aren't thinking about him, you don't talk about him that much, but this guy can really help you out from a fantasy standpoint. But, I mean, I don't know anybody else on this Rams team. The other news that I'm reading now is that Jared Goff is going to start next week. Yes, that just came out earlier this afternoon. That's big news, man. They're going to see the Rams have their number one overall pick. He's going to be at home playing the Miami Dolphins, which will be tough because the Dolphins are hot right now. Yeah, they are a little bit. I mean, but what do you got to lose, really? This you, the Rams are not really concerned. They're, well, they're four and five. They're four and five. Somehow they're winning these games six to three. I think I think there's a chance to see because look, Chase Keenum, seventeen for thirty this game, just really not. It, it's just not, not impressive. He doesn't impress you. He doesn't impress. He doesn't yeah. impress the coaches. He doesn't impress the other team. You know, I think that the defense is. You know, he's a great game manager. Like they can go back to him, and I don't think the team is going to be terrible. But same situation with the Rams. We got to see what this this number one overall pick is looking like. It's true. It's been dead since uh, since the Bradford days, where they just really the quarterback play is not. You know, you're not expecting a guy to throw three touchdowns a game. It's just not there. So you have nothing to lose. You draft this guy. You. You go all the way out of the way to get this guy. Let's see what he's got. Uh, do we need to move on from this game? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing besides the punt. There's not much here. <laughs> Great punter on the Rams. Um, let's talk about my Eagles beating up on the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons, a legitimate team with uh, playoff aspirations. The Eagles really dominate. A couple of things that I want to mention is Eagles clearly play well at home. You know, they are now 4-0 and playing in Philadelphia. They're 1-4 and playing on the road. The other things I took away are Carson Wentz, the excitement of the first couple of weeks has sort of worn off. He's Listen, I think he's got a lot more improvement coming uh, in front of him in his future years in the league. But right now, he's a smart game manager, okay? This is a guy who doesn't turn the ball over too much. He makes mistakes. He does. But he's pretty conservative. He does play a dink and dunk offense. There's a little bit of that Kansas City influence with Doug Peterson. But they hold the ball. They dominate time of possession. And the run game came out. Can we talk a little bit about this running back situation with Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles? Because Ryan Matthews, two touchdowns and 100 yards. Like, I don't know what to make of it anymore. So who do we trust with this running back situation? Well, I'm kind of terrified because I didn't know Ryan Matthews had that kind of... uh potential in him but he uh, someone woke the giant because he came out he came out running hard you know breaking tackles he looked fantastic he looked like the the guy that charges to try to get out of him yeah so long ago. i mean i listen i thought he would be i figured he would be this good i just thought you know at like you know the 50 yard point in the game he'd break his collarbone i, I don't yeah it, it was too good to be true for you i i, I um I mean, I really think the thing that I'm hearing now is that I think he was kind of injured. Not terribly injured, but injured just enough 
that maybe Peterson and the coaching staff was rotating Sproles and Wendell Smallwood in more. I mean, listen, Wendell Smallwood, let's not let's just talk about the running game for the Eagles. They ran all over this Falcons team. Ryan Matthews had 100 yards. Wendell Smallwood had 70 yards rushing. And Darren Sproles may not have uh, run the ball all that much, but he was second in the team in receiving. I think he had eight catches for 57 receiving yards. I mean, this offense finds ways to move the ball. I uh, I had Ryan Matthews on my fantasy team earlier in the year, and I don't feel bad about cutting him because at the time he just was not producing. It's okay. He went but, about um, four or five weeks where he was doing jack shit. Yeah, I mean, he still scored touchdowns, but you're getting like 17 yards from him. So good luck trying to make that into like a legitimate case to keep him as an every week starter. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to kind of give it a, a close look. I, if you're look, if you're hurting for a fantasy guy, it, you can't go wrong right now. Just pick him up because, I mean, he still scores touchdowns. He's got, I think he's got six or seven touchdowns this season. Yeah, right? he's he's so got a lot. Something. Like, you know, maybe he's not rushing an awful lot, but he is up there in the touchdown count. I mean, putting up serious numbers. So, seriously, if you're, uh, you're, you're a fantasy football, your uh, running back situation is that bad, you might want to go ahead and pick him up just in case. You know, he might bust out the uh, the the running game again and give you some yards to go along with those touchdowns. You know, I want to I want to echo that because I do think that this Eagles running game is going to continue to improve. They're certainly relying on it heavily. You know, as we get further into the season and we see Carson Wentz's limitations in his rookie year, this running game is going to be his friend. And got to talk about the Eagles defense. They are good. Yeah. They are really good. They slowed down this Falcons team a lot. The only thing that was clicking was the passing game to Julio Jones. A run game really wasn't there. Nobody else was catching the ball. Julio Jones is a fucking animal, and still, he had a huge drop at the end of the game that could have won the game for the Falcons. Like, it would have put them in great field position, but he dropped the ball, and, I mean, he was the only one I, shouldering you know the burden. I, I really got to give um, all the credit for the Eagles defense because... There were some incredible catches by Jones that if he hadn't made them, this game, we wouldn't even be talking about it being as close as it is. Yeah. Uh, they put so much pressure on Matt Ryan. They did. That it took miracles. It took miracle passes basically to keep them alive, keep drives alive. And that's exactly what happened when they got Julio Jones active. So it's, it's super testament to the Eagles D right now. It's, it's tough because this is the same Eagles defense which has really – you know, it was only a week or two ago that Leotis McKelvin was getting burned by Odell Beckham Jr. Like, this is a situation where they're pulling a little Jekyll and Hyde because one week you're like, oh my God, this defense is brilliant. And the next week you're sitting there going, you know, what the hell can we trust them to do? And I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it yet. I, uh, I still I think, think Schwartz just took him. I- I think Schwartz took him, you know, got him to watch him film on this Falcons. Uh, and when you really think about it, we still talk about the Falcons. They really need a complimentary number two. Yeah, Phil that's Gabriel true. had one big catch, but he's a home run threat. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and again, it was one. It was a blown coverage by Leotis McKelvin. He got his one touchdown, but Muhammad Sanu didn't do anything. Uh, yeah. Jacob Tammy's out for the year. Yeah, Devontae Freeman was very, you know, he was a non-factor. I, I don't think he, he didn't rush very much. He didn't put up many numbers. I mean, the Eagles were really, really suffocating the Falcons' offense in this game. It's really their Achilles heel is, you know, if you can kind of take Julio Jones out of the game, which, I mean, I laugh as I say, good luck. <laughs> you know, if you can kind of get him out of the game, it's kind of daring them to have you with someone else. It's playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, okay, you shut down LeBron James. What else you got for me? You yeah. know, there's a lot of other players on that team. 
honestly, you know, um, Julian Jones is now. He's 10 catches for 135 yards. He has 16 targets. So yeah. at some point, you know, six incompletions, you know, thrown his way. I mean, that's a lot. Six incompletions when you're trying to, you know, keep this Falcons offense, you know, down. It's a big deal. Yeah, that, I think that it was just all Eagles all day. God bless him. I was a great game. I was real close to picking the Falcons. Thankfully, I didn't. Um, the last thing I'll say about this game before we move on is uh, uh, Jordan Matthews. You know, he's had a little bit of an up-and-down season, but I still think he's great. I still think he's the best wide receiver in that core, and I think that he is going to get a lot of work moving forward um, from a fantasy perspective if he's out on your waiver wire, which he is in some leagues. You know, uh, I would say go pick him up, and if he's on your bench, you might want to think about starting him over some very prominent wide receivers because, listen, I would happily start Jordan Matthews over DeAndre Hopkins any day of the week right now. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, I will say, um, you know, actually, look, you got a guy like Muhammad Sanu who's not doing jack right now. Mm -hmm. Matthews, you know he's going to get the targets. So at the least, if he gives you five catches for 70 yards, it's a solid fantasy start. Anything above that is a bonus. And at any given time, he could get a touchdown because he's involved in that offense enough. All right, do we need, we're good here. Do we need to move on to the – okay, next game I'm popping up on this list here, man. We had a lot of big games – Seattle Seahawks beating the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium on Sunday night. Holy fucking shit, was that a good game? I'll tell you what, man. Talk you to know, me. Uh, I, I, I've been kind of shying away from the Russell Wilson experience just because he really not produced much. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You asked about if Doug Baldwin still relevant know, fantasy. And you know what? They're so tied together. I had to say yes and sound. I was like, basically... If you're going to get Russell Wilson back into, you know, fantasy starter form, you have to have Doug Baldwin involved. And lo and behold, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns on the Patriots, man. And this is something else we got to highlight here. The weak spot of this Patriots team is their defense. Because the Seahawks... Dude, Seahawks were pushing them around, man. There was lots of open plays. I mean, there were plays where... Russell, there were drop passes or, or overthrown balls where it was like, no, the play was there. The Seahawks yeah. just couldn't get the ball to the receiver, but it was like they they were lots of opportunities against this Pats defense. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit alarmed. There were a couple that Doug Mullen touched down in the end zone. I mean, there Ooh. were two defenders like five yards off of him, and he was wide open in the kind of They I, were kind of looking at each other with confusion. Like, I mean, who, whose man was that? Whose coverage? Dude, like they're just they're bad. Very unconventional from a you know, and and we I think we get used to the, just knowing the Patriots are going to be good, knowing they're going to be you know roll into games, put up big leads. I mean, this was a game where the lead changed seven times in this game. It went back and forth. Both teams, you know, like because I don't I don't want to say the Seahawks defense is bad because it's certainly not bad. But Tom Brady had the ability to move the ball. They were able to pound it at the right times. But when it came right down to it, when the defense had to step up, I mean, we, we can talk about it till the end of time, the big difference maker was the end of that game. I mean, you saw those. It was first and goal. They took the ball four times, and the Patriots couldn't get it in from the one-yard line. Yeah, they, they really stifled him, which is amazing because LeGarrette Blunt, I think they really Dude. were trying to pound the run. LeGarrette Blunt had three touchdowns on the ground. And, and he yeah. would have had a fourth one if, they, if he didn't get it in, if he almost got it in at the end of the game. 
I think they really respected the hell out of that um, Seattle secondary. Maybe a little bit too much. They yeah. tried to rely too much on the running game, and mm-hmm. they just didn't let Tom Brady be Tom Brady in the yeah. football. I mean, to- well, listen, Tom Brady threw zero touchdowns and one interception. I think, you know, he did as best as he could. But you're right. They did try to go to a ground and pound. Um, and Seahawks offensive line, which is terrible, Patriots couldn't take advantage of it at all. They- bullied them. I mean, they absolutely bullied them, especially the pass protection. Russell Wilson had all damn day to throw some of those passes. Yeah, and this is and this is the same offensive count. line we've been complaining about for weeks. It's it's bizarre. And I think also it's a testament. Russell Wilson looked healthy. Like, he actually looked scrambling in the pocket when yeah. he had to. He actually looked a lot better than he did before. Knee and ankle injuries aside. Uh, we all, okay, now we need to talk about C.J. Proceis, this running back for the Seahawks. So surprising. This kid, this kid, you know, I, I don't know much about him. I just knew in this game, he's super confident and yeah. super versatile. Dude, and he is now the man because, um, breaking news. Are you ready for this, Shaka? What's up? Seahawks cut Christian Michael. How is that possible? That's what I said. I was like, it was a couple of weeks ago, this guy was the man, and he was running all over the place. Now he tweaks his hamstring, and all of a sudden, the day after, the two days after friggin' they beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium, they're cutting him? I'm, I'm absolutely baffled. I'm really surprised by that. And I think I, I would have figured that Thomas Rawls is still hurt. Yeah. They still need some depth at running back. I mean, there's had to be some kind of some behind the scenes going on with Michael, maybe. I, I have no idea why. Do that. Yeah, because listen, even even if he's dropping down on the depth chart, why not just keep him there? What's the problem? Why wave him? I, I don't. I mean, they're saying that Rawls could be coming back soon, so maybe in a week or two, Rawls is the backup to CJ Proceis. But I mean, dude, CJ Proceis, if you don't have him on your team, go out and get him. That's your number one waiver wire pickup tonight. That's incredible. I didn't know that they. Uh, I read it three seconds before you called me. Oh wow. <laughs> Okay, that's literally breaking news. That is literally breaking news. That shit is about as fresh as as uh, as as thirty ten minutes ago, thirty minutes ago. We're all on top of this for you guys. Uh, <laughs> um, also something worth mentioning. So Rob Gronkowski kind of got shut down a little bit in this game. He you know he had a serious hit by Earl Thomas, but now they're saying he's got a punctured lung and he's going to miss a couple of weeks. Which is weird because at first they said he he got the injury during the game, but that he would be fine. I was like, I'm pretty sure a punctured lung is not okay. I you know I think when it comes to football, a punctured lung until the end of the game when they actually do X-rays and MRIs is essentially just like my chest hurts. Yeah, I, I, I was like, come on, guys. You it's like it. uh, again, I got hit really hard. Remember. I'm going back out there. I'll be fine. And then at the end of the game, it's like, yeah, you're you have internal bleeding. This is also the. Uh, you know, the New England Patriots injury report has always kind of good luck trying to, to filter out what's going on. With Shrouded the- in mystery. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, um, uh, anything else to take away from this game? Like, do, okay, is the, the thing I'll ask you before we move on is Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, that connection, the magic that happened between the two of them at the end of last season, do you see another occurrence of that magic or is this just a one-off i you know asked myself this very question last year and i only asked it because i also had russell wolf as my starting quarterback last year i picked a double double ball win on a whim and it ended up saving my fantasy season last year i, I did not lose the game after pretty much with those two it's 
Russell Wilson, I think, set a record for most touchdown passes, I think, in a five-game span. It's something Dear crazy. God. But Doug Baldwin, more or less, was having one touchdown or two touchdown games per week after that. God. And this is the same quarterback. I think, I think it's the real deal. This I think is... it's the real deal. I like them. I like that combination. They seem to just have like a psychic connection when it comes to football. So you're saying you're high on Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin at least for the next two or three weeks? I mean, if you're still, you know, hesitant about it, just go back and look at Doug Baldwin's numbers for like the last five or six games of the season last year. I, there's no way you don't sign on for that. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. That works for me. Um, I mean, besides that, you got Tyler Lockett. That's your other choice. And Jimmy Graham, of course, but yeah, no, but, Jimmy Graham, I think, is kind of I mean, give you solid numbers, but in wide receiver position, you got to go with uh, Doug Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about the receiving core for Seattle, the most dependable options you have are Baldwin and, and Graham. I, I don't feel enough confidence about anyone else there getting the type of volume like those guys will. Amen. Uh, do we need to move on from this game? Yeah, I think we're done here. Okay. Dallas Cowboys beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. Another game where there were seven lead changes in the game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is amazing. 200 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. Shaka, give me your first takes from this game. Well, I think at this point, we can put Ezekiel Elliott in the MVP uh, conversation. Not just for Rookie of the Year, but actual NFL MVP. Wow. Because the kid... The kid, he does it all. He does it all. It's amazing to think that a first-year guy has not played, you know, 16 games in the NFL can come in and be such an integral part of an offense Mm -hmm. as this guy. And, you know, I I don't want to snub the offensive line so much. No, no, no. Because you think about it, DeMarco Murray ran with that. But at the same time, I just don't think DeMarco Murray has the versatility that in Ezekiel Elliott. You look at that screen pass, an 83 yeah. yard I mean, screen pass. Let's talk about that. To open the game the up, that was breathtaking, that play. It just knocked the wind. I think it just knocked the wind out of the Steelers. I, they, I think they looked and they're like, this is what we have to play against the rest of the game. And it just, well, how do you answer that? The guy has the perfect combination of speed, power, and he's not afraid to drop his shoulder nope. and hit a defender. He nope. has no fear. Nope. And, the, and this is the same guy who, you know, the game is close in the fourth quarter and Ezekiel Elliott just ripped it wide open in the fourth quarter. I mean, he made the Steelers' D look like fools. And i got to ask you this right now. So this, this t- that touchdown he had at the end of the game where it was just a one, you know, handoff and he breaks through the defense and runs off for a touchdown. Everyone's asking if the Steelers let him score the touchdown. I don't think they did, okay? I don't think so. I, I think they just got blown out and Ezekiel Elliott was gone. That was definitely a situation of kind of, I think they were surprised at how far he moved along the line in such a short amount. I just, they were just caught by surprise. Like yeah. He broke through. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you're giving too much credit to the Steelers' D thinking that they just wanted to let him go through. It's like, I, I got to echo Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. They were not just trying to let him, they, they didn't want to be embarrassed like that, yeah. okay? I love Mike Tomlin, but I don't think he's, he's playing to let uh, the Cowboys just get a score, and, and those guys have too much pride on the defense to just let someone walk by him like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Des Bryant, hello, he's back. He's still kind of, uh, you know, I, I I feel like he and uh, and Dak, Dak still Dak need Dak to... still need a little more time to kind of solidify it. But that, I mean, just the to, the chances I get to see him 
actually air the football out. It's such a crisp passer. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that's super, super utilized in the Cowboys offense, but they're starting to work it in a little bit more. You can yeah. see it and week by week that they're letting him get that chance to throw the football. Dude, couple great. and a couple of these passes to Des Bryant are pinpoint, man. They were nice. You said it. He's crisp. Like, he's not having difficulty connecting on these passes. Like, no. he's making them work. And you know what? That's just driving Tony Romo's stock further and further down. It makes me laugh because I, I, I think about how all these franchises are scrambling to get quarterbacks. And I go, hey, Dak Prescott was not that much of a known quantity. Nope. Coming into this draft. Nope. And look at what happens when you give him an offensive line that can give him a chance to read the defense and throw the football. Mm-hmm. What a difference it makes for your confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really wish, because uh, you think about how many quarterbacks come into this league and do not get a chance to actually, you know, no. learn to, they, they're too busy panicking about their blind side. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not the protection can hold them, and they freak and they make terrible pass decisions. Yeah, and I mean, we've, never really developed. We've, we've seen it all too often. It's a very common tale. Quarterbacks don't even get the chance to do their job, but instead... Dak Prescott is getting plenty of time to work, and he still makes rookie mistakes. He still had that, you know, he had an ugly fumble turnover in the beginning of the game. But another example, he rebounded from that. You know, they bring the team back. It was a this was another back and forth game. This wasn't a blowout where the you know the Cowboys were up by twenty going into the fourth quarter against the Browns. I mean, this was a back and forth game where the Steelers were right there with it. Cowboys, man. I mean, this is a Super Bowl ready team. Absolutely, and even uh, Ben Roethlisberger, he admitted, he said, the New England Patriots are not the best team in football right now, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Goddamn right, man. Uh, let's talk real quick, before, before we get away from this game, let's talk about the Steelers for a second here. So, you know, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell is that. What the hell's going on with the rest of their receiving core? You know, Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates, Marcus Wheaton, what... what what do, what the hell do I make of any of this? What what do you think? Well, Sammy Coates for I think the second week now has been a non-factor, complete you know, non-factor. Uh, we, we haven't seen a sighting from him, God, since what week two, week three? Yeah, something like that. And it, it, it's amazing. Uh, I think and look, you think about the numbers. Ben Roethlisberger threw four hundred yards. Who the hell do you throw it to? It's yeah. a question. You know, it, it's kind of the tail of the tape where half of those yards was Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of just a the rogues gallery that they have going on in Pittsburgh, where mm-hmm. any week, any given week, another guy can be the one who steps up. And that's just, I mean, Roethlisberger is just that friggin' good. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I don't trust any of them. Like, uh, aside from Roethlisberger either. and Bell and Brown, I don't trust any of these guys. I remember in the preseason, Ladarius Green was supposed to have a much bigger uh, um, presence in his offense, and he's been. He finally. I sh- almost forgot he was on the team. Uh, he finally. Sh- I think that was his his season debut was against the Cowboys. Which is amazing. I they they could use a little more of him at this point. Um, uh, yeah. To kind of get some stability. They certainly spent a good chunk of money on him. They would. I would want them to reap some of those rewards. I, I think it's coming. I I really think they uh, they need a little more variety in the offense. I look at him probably, I don't, I don't think next week, but maybe two or three other games and he's going to start uh, producing for him. Yeah, you think you think Roethlisberger's going to use him a little bit as a safety blanket? Just to kind of, because uh, uh, look, it's getting a little um, run of the mill to have Levy and Bell catch a screen pass. Yeah. To run it in. And um, look, I'm sure Antonio Brown is happy catching 14 passes a game. But if he can get, you know, kind of some of the secondary pressure off himself, some distractions. I'm sure it's welcome. Okay. 
All right. Anything else in this game you want to move on? I think we covered it, man. Denver Broncos beat the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome in a thriller. Thriller, man, where they blocked the extra point and took it back for two points to win the game. Okay, crazy, crazy ending. Go ahead. I don't know. Actually, wait, what were you going to say? No, you please go ahead. I I got plenty of things to say. I could talk forever. I want to hear what you have to say. That two-pointer, that guy stepped out. There's no way. He did not He did not make it down the field. He stepped out. The refs missed the call there. I, I kind he of agree with you. A score. I kind of agree with you. I, I think it was, it was all... I feel like the drama of the moment sort of swept up everyone. I mean... 100%, you're right on that one. What, what I got to give props to is... I got to give props to the Saints. They did every single thing they could to beat this this good Denver Bronco team. And I mean, Drew Brees against one of the best defenses in the league. This guy throws three, he throws 300 yards. He throws the game-tying touchdown. And that touchdown to Brandon Cooks, there's like two quarterbacks in the league who can make a pass like that. Pinpoint I mean, in double yeah, coverage. I mean, this guy is awesome. Look. 100%, the Saints had no friggin' business being in that game at that point in the game. Yeah. You know. I mean, this and, is, and this Broncos defense, they got four turnovers. Drew Brees threw two interceptions, and Michael Thomas, God, as good as he's been, man, two fumbles in this game? Come on. Rookie. Rookie, the rookie blues right there. I mean, I, 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 even then, amazingly, still in this thing. Yeah. They, they had no business being there, and then just to have a loss. The block kick on the Broncos' part was amazing. But the guy had, he stepped out not once, but twice. He pretty much was out of bounds. I, uh, it's a rough way to lose. I, I think the Saints, the Saints and the Chargers are two of the really good, you know, under 500 teams who just figure out ways to shoot themselves in the foot because this Saints team is four and five. But I mean, the talent they have on offense, and Drew Brees is not anything new, but. The, what they're doing, the way they're able to put up points on just about every single team. I think the only team that has held them to under 20 points was the New York Giants in that one game where it was supposed to be a shootout and instead it ended up being a 16-13 win for the Giants. Like, very bizarre game. But every other team, including this Broncos team, can't slow down this Saints offense. Instead, they just have to outscore them. Yeah, you just got to roll with the punches, basically. Now, Demarius Thomas showed up. He actually looked good. Trevor Simeon is is more than an Alex Smith. He's a little bit more than a game manager, but he's still got that, you know, that he makes those rookie mistakes. I guess the question I do want to ask is uh, Emmanuel Sanders. He's been very, listen, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been good over the last couple of weeks. Do you feel like there's a sense like... Is it like? Do you think Emmanuel Sanders is just due for a big game, or do you think he's going to kind of stay at this, you know, second wideout status for the rest of the season? I definitely think he's due for a big game, and he also—that's just a job. He's going to have to accept the fact when it comes to who I want to throw to in the red zone. Look, I'm always going to look at Mary Thompson's way first. Well, yeah, he's bigger. He's a physical freak, but Emmanuel Sanders brings his own kind of nuance to the game. He had nine targets compared to Thomas Thomas's 11. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. he was, he's not completely, you know, not an afterthought, per se, in this offense, but he just doesn't get um, kind of those jump ball situations in the same way that Demarius Thomas does. Okay. So, he's always going to be the second fiddle here. So, he's, he's just going to continue to play that role. He's just been quiet over the last couple of weeks. I think it's just a, a product of Trevor Simeon. I, not that I, like I said, I don't think he's bad. I just, 
he's not the strongest passer. Right. I mean, he's he due for a big game, but I mean, it all depends on kind of the uh, the poise of a Trevor Simeon and how well he can get the football to him in open situations. Okay. Okay. Uh, two more things I want to mention before we get away from this game. Number one, I still really do not like the Denver Broncos run game. I still think that's a big reason why they're having troubles on offense. Number two, running game for the Saints. It is becoming more and more of a straight-up committee between Mark Ingram and Tim Hightower. Um, it, do you feel like both of them are worth a start moving forward? Like, depending on the defense. Let's say they play a team with a shitty defense. Do you feel good starting Tim Hightower in a PPR league? I think they like bringing Tim Hightower in to kind of spell Ingram because I think Ingram broke down towards the end of last season. Okay, okay. His performance as well. It makes me a little nervous. I like Ingram. I have him on a fantasy team. I play him, as far as I'm concerned, he's an every week starter. Yeah, yeah. He used to be. I knew it was going to be rough going against the Broncos this week, so I, I, you know, can reserve judgment. But moving forward, I still like Mark Ingram. I think he's a little more versatile. He's more of a pass catcher than Tim Hightower, even though Hightower, in this game, had catches for 34 yards. It's usually not his thing for today. So um, I'm still I'm still a, a Mark Ingram guy for now. Okay, okay. I I absolutely think Hightower is a stash. If it, you got to go stash him out there, he's he's got value. And if anything happens to Ingram, it could be last season all over again, where he becomes the fantasy god at the end of the year. You're absolutely right. It's a fair assessment. All right. Do we need to move on from this game? Yes, please. Green Bay Packers lose an awful game to the Tennessee Titans, where the Titans looked like they were friggin' Super Bowl champions. Um, Mind boggling. Tell me what you think of this game, Shaka. Well, you know, Marcus Mariota, if we're talking about stashes, at this point is definitely worth a stash. Oh, yeah. Last, I got, listen, I got a couple, couple of teams. Where, playing out of his mind. I got a couple of teams where my fantasy quarterback has been stinking up the joint, and Marcus Mariota has saved that team. He, he is a welcome spell all of a sudden in the last couple of games. He's, I think he's had seven touchdowns in the last two games. Woo! Something like that. That is serious. Just a beast. He's been a beast. And um, and this and game, he didn't even do much on his legs. This is a guy who will get you a rushing touchdown. Hell, DeMar- DeMarco Murray had a passing touchdown in this game. Dude. What the hell is going on? Titans, like, they were on fire, man. I don't know what happened to that Packers defense, but they they like opened the gates Dude, for the city. And- this whole Packers team has fallen apart, man. Aaron Rodgers, he had a few, du- he had a few questionable throws in this game. I think one of the, the, the glaring things is, is the Titans' defense got to him. The offensive line, I don't know what happened. If there was a, a meeting before, oh, the before and they, the, they sold him out. There was, they, a, there was an injury. I think there was an injury in the middle of the game, and they had to bring in some backup linemen, and phew, you, you saw that happen. Yikes. That's never good, especially when your lines used to play in together and you got oh. a, a new guy or a substitute come in, and it all goes to hell. Dude, uh, so... Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, I think, are, listen, even when they don't perform, I still feel confident starting them every single week. But Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery. Uh, uh, Ty Montgomery has been hot. He's been doing this running game thing. He came back down to earth. I don't know if I trust him moving forward because this offense is looking more and more inept. But what about Randall Cobb? Like, is he a start-every-week guy? Like, what do you think? Randall... Randall Cobb's been dealing with an injury, and I think he, last week he wasn't even expected to play, and he came in and played, did pretty okay. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this week, uh, just, just an aberration, he had eight targets. 
But look, Jordy Nelson had 18 targets. Woo. 18 targets in a game is absurd. Um, and Devontae Adams had nine targets. Yeah. So I think Randall Cobb's still relevant to the, the conversation. Devontae Adams is also, uh, he's starting to produce a little bit more than he was earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. But I still think um, Randall Cobb's still a viable, uh, you know, part of this opposite, uh, offense. So I wouldn't say give up on him just yet. What about Ty Montgomery? You think he's back to kind of no- normal mortal status? Montgomery, unfortunately, it looks like um, they're going back to more of a traditional running back, which, like I said, I don't really like their pass blocking, and especially yeah. now. Um, you, now that the offensive line problems, they, they, they had to go back to James Stark. You know they're going to start shaking things up. James Starks, I believe, is going to try. I think he's he's going to be the guy. You know, he's healthy enough coming back. Like James Starks is the guy to go get on the waiver wire. That's a guy you need to put on your team because listen, even if the running game's bad, they're going to be giving it to somebody. And James Starks has had you know he's been ball. known to have good games. They they're going to have to run the ball. Montgomery, I don't even know if he's going to be a factor in the offense on in the wide receiver position, but uh. James Stark's definitely going to get some burn for sure. Right, real quick, Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb, who do you want? Ooh, this is a good question and a tough one. Um, I'm going to lean Devontae Adams just because he has more upside, and I'm still not sure as to how recovered from uh, injuries Randall Cobb is right now, so i got to go Devontae Adams. Okay. Last thing I'll leave you with uh, before we get away from this game, Richard Matthews, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, really hot recently. Marcus Mariota's throwing the ball a lot. Rashard Matthews is reaping the benefits of that. He's probably the hottest wide receiver. And this is a wide receiver core that I've been complaining about all season. They're just as bad as the Eagles. They don't have anybody who's worth watching. Tajay Sharp finally had his first touchdown of the season. But Delaney Walker is the best pass catcher on this team. Rashard Matthews is getting into that arena. I think... He's worth a stash. If you're not looking at him, I think he's worth picking up and hanging on to because he could really come on strong in the next couple of weeks. Do you agree? I'm uh, I, I'm hesitant to say so, but at the same time, I think I'm going to go with you on this one. Uh, Richard's had some big games. Um, and, and look, Mario has been hot and he's been getting to the open receivers. I think it's only uh, a matter of time before Richard Matthews has to be, you know, he had a touchdown in this game. He, he's he's going to be a recipient of... Uh, of this bountiful harvest. Yeah. He had six touchdowns on the friggin' season. Yeah. He's been catching them. I mean, that that's what I'm saying, is like, as the season has progressed, we've seen that he is probably, you know, of all the pass catchers in Tennessee, he's probably the most viable option there is. I mean, now that now that Andre Johnson has retired, you know. Yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, can we move on from this game? Yeah. Minnesota Vikings lose to the Washington Redskins in Washington, D.C., Stephon Diggs did catch a record number of passes, but I'll say it before, I'll say it again, I think this Minnesota Vikings offense is bad. What do you think? Finally sputtering a little bit here. Um, man, that... Um, this whole team is coming apart right now. Paces. The Washington Redskins defense actually kind of... Uh, they got to him. Yeah. Yeah, and they made Bradford. They made Bradford scramble a little bit. I mean, he only had he only got sacked three times, but yeah, you know. And it listen, a lot more shaky than that. Don't don't be deceived by the stats. I know Stephon Diggs had thirteen catches, but a lot of that was dink and dunk. A lot of it was you know garbage time minutes where they were just giving prevent defense. You know, they're let, letting Sam Bradford throw it up the middle of the field. Sam Bradford had three hundred yards passing, but that didn't negate the fact that the Vikings offense looked like shit, and they still have no running game. No running game whatsoever. None. 
I mean, they're, they're trying, but it's just not really, there's nothing there. Now, actually, let's talk about the Redskins offense because, so the Redskins, they won the division, they won the NFC East, and, you know, f- real quick, the NFC East, which is one of the divisions that I think everybody across the league likes to make fun of, everybody in that division is above 500 right now, and all four of those teams are fucking dangerous. They're good. They're all good teams. You're they, right. They, they can whip you. Yeah, this is quite a turnaround from you know the atrociousness that people call that division with the Redskins winning the division last year at 9-7. and seven. So the Redskins, you know, they win the division last year. They're a pretty good team, and they were a little surprising. This year, they start off bad. They look crappy. Captain Kirk looks bad. Over the course of the season, they've gotten into form from last year. They look good. Their defense has played better, and they can score. This is a good offense. Kirk Cousins can throw the ball, and the guy who you got to look for is not Pierre Garçon. It's not Deshaun Jackson. It's Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder didn't have an amazing game. He got a touchdown in this one. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy, one, he returns kicks and punts. Yep. Um, and he's great after the catch. When he catches the football, especially in the open field, he likes to turn it up and just, you know, uh, make you pay if you uh, don't get don't a guy on him. It's going to make you pay. I, uh, but, um, I, I like what I'm seeing I'm really from Jamison Crowder. Vernon Davis. Yes. You, dude, you, Vernon you Davis. Took, that was the next Davis. thing I was going to say, man. He was, he's been a ninja, I've noticed lately. Um, I mean, Jordan Reed's still a beast. Jordan Reed's still a beast, but Vernon Davis has taken the looks away, man. They've been running like these different tight end sets, and I, I guess people forgot that Vernon Davis used to be a Pro Bowl tight end like at one point with the 49ers. He was hey, legit. Hey, Super Bowl winning tight end with the Broncos last year, even even though I don't think he played that many snaps on, he in the game. barely, I think, played, but yeah. It, he was an know, afterthought. <laughs> Vernon Davis has still got it, and I'm I'm surprised he he can still do it, man. And I think people are underestimating him, but he's he's having a pretty solid season. And and as a number two tight end, not just a solid season, but specifically the last three or four weeks, he's come on strong. Yeah, he has. He he looked great. I'm a I'm a little upset. I'm a Jordan Reed guy, but um, I I, I can't I can't deny he's been a big part of uh, the Redskins. I think they've won how many games in a row now? They they may won like three or four games in a row. At they? least, I mean, this is a five, three, and one. Oh, they, well, they, it could. They had a tie, so I guess you can't really say they won okay. all the games in a row. And I think they just came. They just came up to buy, and I, you know, they look. They look hungry. They look ready to go, man. Yeah, and their defense. As much as I've have made fun of their defense, their defense is looking better. You know, the front seven is pretty powerful. And the last thing I got to mention before we move away from this game, uh, Robert Kelly. Robert Kelly's now the starting running back. Matt Jones was a healthy scratch. It's it, it's it's curious. I, I didn't really put much in stock into Robert Kelly um, after his first game. Mm-hmm. But they're giving him the carries, man. And he's, he's and making the most out of the workload. Dude, they're giving him the work, and, I mean, he's producing. He really does look... I mean, just by the eye test, he just looks more of a punishing runner than Matt Jones. And the truth is, Matt Jones has had issues with fumbles. Yeah, he's a lot of issues with the fumbles. And but I think uh, Kelly doesn't fumble the football and he keeps running hard. He's going to keep that job. Yeah, man. I listen. If he's if if he's out on your waiver wire, go get him. That guy is the man. He is he's he's not going anywhere. And this Redskins team, as they get better and better, and they get hotter and hotter, and the offense continues to click, Robert Kelly's value is just going to go up. Um. Last thing I want to say before we get away from this game, breaking news, Minnesota Vikings cut Blair Walsh, their kicker. Finally. Finally. 
real sad for the guy's a nice guy. Really awful, to, you know, because he blew that that field goal that could have won them the playoff game. But just listen, the way he's been performing, it was it was just a matter of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every opportunity, I, I think one of the most interesting things that's come from this season is the NFL rule change for um, extra points. Yeah, I mean, it's really shaken up a lot of situations. We've had a lot of um, a lot of games where just the two point conversions have have been so big, and some teams are going for it all in. Yeah, man. Others, yeah. That, it's it's kind of a nice little twist. I didn't really think it was going to be a big deal, but I've noticed. It's it's shaking up a lot of games, obviously. I mean, that Cowboys-Steelers game, they had six of them. The Steelers were 0 for 4 in two-point conversions, and the Cowboys were 0 for 2. It's amazing, and they're still going for it. I I, I kind of, I'm enjoying this, and I'm kind of waiting for one team to kind of really crack it and uh, just just be like, we're always going to go for two and we're always going to get it. It's, it's, It's fun to watch, actually. Well, if the Vikings continue to have crappy kickers, you'll see them going for two all the rest of the season. Oh man! Uh, let's move on to the next game. Kansas City Chiefs surprise the Carolina Panthers with twenty unanswered points to win the game off two huge defensive plays in the fourth quarter. Shaka, give me some first takes about this game. Well, Cam Newton, and this must be an agonizing season for him. Just to. They should be up. I think they were up at one point seventeen. Were they up? Yeah, they were up seventeen. Yeah, they were up seventeen nothing. And just not able to to close. Mm-hmm. But I, my, my my pick right now for a defensive player of the year, Marcus Peters. Yeah, literally went in and snatched victory. I mean, out of their hands. Brilliant literally play. Snatched it. Literally just out ripping it out of Kelvin Benjamin's fingers. Oh my god. And, and we can't talk about that without talking about Eric Berry's pick six, man. Oh, which is beautiful. I mean, just just guts, man. Just not going down and just keep fighting and uh, eventually making it to the end zone. He had no business making it to the end zone. No man, business whatsoever. You want to watch? That's one of the greatest highlights I've seen all season. Spun off the two guys, ran it all the way opposite side of the field and, and punches it in for a touchdown. I mean, that was really that was a kick in the face. That was a flying kick in the face for the Panthers. I uh, and I think the last guy back, the last defender who not finished the tackle was Cannon. Oh, the to begin with. Dude, this Panthers team, I just you know, I feel bad saying they're bad anymore, just because they've really fallen off the map. It's pretty much it's pretty apparent at this point. But I think they know at this point that they're terrible. The thing that's real that I take away very much from this game is the Chiefs. That this is a great Chiefs team. This defense is impressive, and you know. Their offensive game plan is conservative. We know this. They play dink and dunk. They, they're not trying to air the ball out. But, you know, Tyreek Hill, that guy is the new fantasy option. He's your new Jeremy Macklin. He gets a lot of looks. I think he had something like 10 catches for 89 yards. But, yes, he did. I mean, and he looked, oh, man, he's so fast. He just needs one, one opening to burn you. I mean, I think that's the guy you got to go get and stash. But this Chiefs defense, you know, it's it, listen. It's hard to forget them getting blown out forty whatever to nothing by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. But you you combine that with the rest of their season, and the truth is that this is a stifling team that doesn't really get. The, they it is hard to move the ball on them, 
And, uh, you know, I think their defense is something worth looking at. I think their kicker is somebody worth picking up because, you know, I don't care too much about fantasy kickers, but when you get a fantasy kicker who's putting up div- double-digit fantasy points every single week, you got to take notice. That's true. I mean, they just they don't put up enough points, and I think they're okay with kicking the field goals. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure the defense is off the table at this point. Yeah, they, they probably are. Uh, but I, at least from a real-time standpoint, this defense is going to be the marquee of what gets them into the playoffs because – I mean, you can't you can't sleep on this Chiefs team when they were able to come back and you know the Panthers. Listen, I got a lot of respect for the Panthers as much as I've been bashing them, but I mean they they can't close out games like they could last year. They just can't. No. And even last year they put up a lot of points, but they would just end up scoring more than the other team. That's true. That's true. They they were their defense, the Luke Keekleys, you know, and and listen, Josh Norman and that secondary were able to kind of shut down any of those big plays. Yeah. I mean, you see teams getting big plays on the Panthers this year, and that just wasn't happening before. Yeah, they're getting torched on a regular basis right now. Um, I don't know what else I can say. I don't know if there's anything else new from a fantasy standpoint. You know, Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson are still your best options. Cam Newton is still pretty decent. You know, he hasn't been putting up stellar fantasy numbers, but I still trust him as a starter. Um, That's true. I, he, just, just for... Um his persona and who he is, I, he's he's always going to want to be either the man or the guy getting the ball in. So Cam, I, I, Cam's an every league starter to me, as okay. bad as the team is. Okay. Um, do you want to get away from this game? I don't know what else there is to yes. say. Uh, I, mo- I, think, I think that covers it. Monday night football, Cincinnati Bengals lose by one point to the New York Giants. I thought this was a pretty big statement game for the Giants and also a pretty big statement game for how – how far the Cincinnati Bengals have fallen. Um, first takes from this game, Shaka. Uh, Giants defense. Uh, yes. They haven't, they haven't played yes. super, super consistent this year, but man, did they show up. They looked winning, winning great last game. night. Just, uh, I've never seen, uh, I've never seen Eddie Dalton throw off of his uh, backflip so much in a game where it just looks so frazzled yeah. in the uh, pocket. It, it, was, it was really good to see I wanna I wanna highlight it. It was the fourth quarter. The cow the the Giants had ju- they had taken the lead. The Bengals get the ball, and they started going down the field. And it was a moment where you could clearly t- and Andy uh, Andy Dalton got hit, and he kind of came down a little awkwardly, and he got back up, and it was just he looked rattled, and yeah. The Giants' front seven was just crushing the offensive line of Cincinnati. I mean, their defense looked like the 2011 Super Bowl Giants defense. I mean, Andy Dalton, I was sitting there, and I watched one, two, three back-to-back sacks right in a row. Olivier Vernon was living in the backfield. I mean, this Giants' defense, I was just sitting there impressed. My jaw was dropped, and I was like, wow, the Bengals are not good anymore. And this Giants team... Which is now six and three, which is so crazy to think. This looks like a dangerous team in that NFC East, and you know Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, come on now, same old story, man. If you can't stop those guys, they're gonna kill you. I will say this: aside from two, well, one super dumb interception from Eli. Yeah. Oh my God, that was awful. He, he picked these guys apart. He yeah. picked that defense apart. He he played with them. Yeah. He really did. I mean, the he Bengals. So many options. He could do whatever he wanted to. So and then the he got a little bit a little wonky. When they weren't picking him up, when he wasn't picking him apart, they were running on them. This is a bad Giants run game that was finding places to run against the Bengals. Yeah, 
Rashad Jennings had uh, a couple of big runs. I mean, he, he he had daylight really to run through. Yeah. So I, 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 they looked. The Giants looked so much better in this game. Where I I kind of raised an eyebrow. I was like, you, you guys, you guys have a shot. You, yeah. you have your own. You have your own argument. This Giants team is is real. I do feel strongly about that. And you know, I started this off by saying this was a statement game for the Giants, which I kind of think it was, but. I, at the end of the game, I felt myself coming away saying, you know, I think I learned more about the Bengals. And I was listening to, you know, John Gruden and Sean McDonough, the, the announcers, talking about how this Bengals defense, Fontes Perfect, Pac-Man Jones, Michael Johnson, all these guys have sort of been on the team for a while. You know, this unit has been together for a while. That's what I heard him saying. And I said to myself, well, then what the hell's the problem? If these guys know how they each other plays, and this is a staunch defense, which has won 11 games the last two seasons and gone to the playoffs, what's the problem this year? And I said, I think the problem is that they've all been together too long and they're getting old. It's hard to see, you know, Pac-Man Jones losing a step, Vontez Burfick losing a step, everyone kind of losing a step at the same time. But when you throw them out there and you're 3-5-1, and one, and you can't win close games like this, you know, I don't see them winning that division. I don't see them beating the Steelers or the Ravens to take the division title. I mean, this the, the Bengals are folding like a cheap suit. What do you think? I, uh, it, it's interesting to look at numbers. And really, I mean, the Giants put up more total yards than they did, but it wasn't. It didn't seem so clear cut. Even Tyler Eifert kept them in the game. Yeah. In moments. Yeah. But Tyler Eifert looked looked, great. I mean, I think that was a big. At the end of the day, yeah, Tyler Eifert. If he was not around, this probably would have been even worse. It it, it started to really show just the cracks in uh, one of the Bengals' offense because all you got is AJ Green. Yeah. You know and. And, and, and listen, he had he had a beautiful touchdown at the top of the game. That was great. But and then after that, it's like, where do you go from there? And again, Tyler Eifert's that guy who kind of he's the bailout guy, and he's wonderful. But Andy Dalton, I think he just needs he needs more help. He needs more offensive weapons. The run game got absolutely shut down. Yeah, they had one touchdown. Yeah, that was kind of a walk in. Yeah, know, and and a big part of that touchdown was they also had something like a seventy five yard kick return that put them in the red zone to start yeah, the drive. Absolutely, I you know it. This is not the Bengals. Yeah, they they need they need a little more help in offense. I don't think they really fill that gap that pretty much showed up when Marvin Jones Jr. Left the team. Yeah, I think they did not appreciate just what kind of uh, versatility he brought and how he stretched the offense out. Yeah, because the, these replacement wide receivers are not doing it. I mean, Tyler Bo- or Taylor Boyd or Tyler Boyd. I think it was Tyler Boyd, this rookie wideout they got. I mean, he had a really nice touchdown catch, which ended up getting ruled an incomplete pass. But you know, it was something that yeah. kept the Bengals in the game or kept them close to it. But I mean, the Giants got stops when they needed to get stops, and they went down the field and scored the go-ahead touchdown when they needed to. Like, it just felt like the Giants were always in control of the game. A hundred percent. I think that's one again. Just uh, Eli looks. He looked great. He looked like he looked like Neo from the Matrix out there. He just knew exactly what to do. He knew where to place the football. He, he didn't look like he had too many worries, to tell you the truth. In yeah. This one. Four touchdowns last week, three touchdowns this week. Uh, 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 uh. Eli, he's back, baby. He's coming into uh, postseason form. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's their time. I think they should just ride this all the way. They're gonna give us. They're gonna give somebody fits. Sure. <laughs> to say the least. 
anything else about this game you want to move on? Um, Landon Collins, man. Dude, Landon Collins, amazing. I don't think anyone was expecting him to be kind of the the step-up guy on this defense, but you know what? The more the merrier for them at this point. Yeah, and you know what? That was was a diamond in a rough for the Giants because I think defense has been a real issue with the team over the last couple of seasons, and, you know, Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Vernon, and now Landon Collins, I think he's leading the team in, like, tackles and interceptions. I mean, whew, that guy is a difference maker. He, I mean, his interception was breathtaking. He's in there in every big play they have. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a welcome addition to the team for them. Uh, next game on the docket, Miami Dolphins shock the San Diego Chargers with Kiko Alonso's pick six of Phillip Rivers in the fourth quarter. Aside from Phillip Rivers throwing four interceptions in this game. Shaka, any particular takeaways which you'd like to mention? I, uh, one, I'm just still shocked by how bad Philip Rivers played. I, yeah. I love Philip Rivers so much, but that was ugly at the end of the game. I think Tyler Williams has finally established that he is the number one guy for that San Diego receiving team. It's only taken, like, two-thirds of the damn season. For all of us to at least admit to one another that Tyrell Williams is the man. And Antonio Gates does not know when his time is up, because apparently it's not up yet. Never. Never. I think he's got three more seasons in him. He just hasn't told anybody. Aside from that, Melvin Gordon, fantastic as usual. Yeah. I mean, uh, all things considered. But um, you know, Let's talk about the Dolphins, then. I think the Dolphins have been the pleasant surprise. They're now 5-4, and four, and they're on a four-game winning streak. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. This was a team that I thought I had left for dead earlier this season. They had Arian Foster, who retired... You know, you've got Tannehill still can't really throw the ball, but with Jay Ajayi running the way he's running, the offensive line giving Tannehill a little bit more time, I feel like they're positioning Tannehill to succeed. He's making throws and plays that he can make, and they're not asking him to do too much. And at the same time, the defense is coming on right when you need them to come on. Like, do you think this Dolphins team is dangerous? Could they get a could they get a wild card spot? I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head when you said they're not asking Tannehill to do too much. They are not asking him to be an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. He just has to get the ball, move the chains, let a giant um, break it up with a run every now and then, and just not turn it over. And he didn't throw any picks this game. Nope, nope. I don't know if he had any fumbles or not. But he's doing just enough to keep them relevant. And the, the Miami defense, you know, they, they, they That's something else to talk about, to man. They're looking good. They, they they were swarming the football. I mean, and just Phil Rivers every now and then will have a clunker of a game. And I think in this one, they just had him doing too much. Mm-hmm. I, I think they kind of forgotten how good Melvin Gordon was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can take, he can kind of take uh, the abuse. I, I really think they should have gone to Gordon even more than they did. But, um, just, you know, again, a gutsy win by the Miami Dolphins, who I, the same as you, I, pretty much chucked them on the beach and left them to die. And lo and behold, they're, you know, they're, they're still around. They're still fighting. Yeah. And, and, it, and from a fantasy perspective, it's hard to trust a lot of these guys. Like, you know, I trust Jay Ajaye. You know, he's, he's established himself. But, I mean, Devontae Parker had 100 yards receiving. But, you know, can I trust him to replicate that? Uh, Jarvis no, Landry. Jarvis Landry's kind of, you know... He's great for PPR, but I don't really know about anything else. Like, 
I, I don't, you know, fantasy wise, it's it's tough to trust this this Dolphins team. I, I mean, I feel like I want to recommend the the Miami defense. Like, is the Miami defense the thing to be excited about? I, I think it really depends on the matchup. Just because uh, I one, you kind of have to factor in whether or not Tannehill is going to have. Uh, you know, he, he gets passed through for a couple turnovers per game. Mm-hmm. That's just going to put his defense out on the field even longer, mm-hmm. you know, in bad positions, in bad situations where they're going to get scored on. So okay. it's a dicey situation to go with the Miami um, Dolphins defense just for that fact alone. Okay. If Tannehill keeps up the good play, then you definitely can go with a defense like this. Other than that, and it hinges too much. It's almost like the Jets defense. Since Patrick turning the ball over so much, you got to put that Jets defense on the field, and it just... Just leave them too much time to get scorched. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. I think uh, you know. Listen, kudos to the Dolphins for pulling out a big win. It was shocking to say the least. Um, but I think I think we all need to see just another week of them performing on a consistent level for us to give any endorsements to anybody else aside from a Jaya. Do you agree? I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, all right, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, we're done. We're 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 coming up, and we only got a only got four more games left. No worries. Uh, Chicago Bears lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, big thirty-seven to ten, I believe was the final score. Um, okay, the Bears are terrible. Uh, Jay Cutler's bad. I, I I don't I don't trust any of these guys. Alshon Jeffrey just got suspended four games for substance yeah. abuse, which in my mind I always assume is smoking weed. Uh, I I don't I, I ugh, the Bears my God I mean Jordan Howard is probably Jordan Howard and Zach Miller those are the guys I trust the most. I would almost want to say it might be a chance to pick up a Cameron Meredith. Yeah. Just because now Jeffrey's out, but yeah, Meredith even then is not a possession receiver. No, especially in a PPR league, it might not be. No, he's he's like a beneficial. he's like a Taylor Gabriel or or a Mike Wallace. He's a home run hitter, like. He might have to change his game. I just, I'd say maybe even look more at Eddie Royal, but God, Eddie Royal's been around for so long and not been Dude. a superstar at any point. I mean, I guess one of them. I get if I had to pick one of the two, Cameron Meredith or Eddie Royal, I'd go with Eddie Royal. Although honestly, I would say go find somebody else on another team over both of them. Probably, I, I can't, Jay Cutler's got a great arm, but he also has a tendency to make boneheaded decisions. boneheaded plays. I was about to say boneheaded plays. So many, so many. It's just not worth. It's not worth it. It's painful. painful now, to watch. let's talk about something more positive. The Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers, you know, they look pretty darn good offensively. Doug Martin came back. Doug Martin got a rushing touchdown. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, I, I, he'd been healthy, I think, for a couple of weeks, and they finally decided to pop him in here. Well, good because they're going to need him as they go down the stretch. And I mean, listen, with the way the NFL has been going this season, there's a lot of teams that are four and five that are not out of the playoff picture at all. So. Absolutely. Tampa Bay's definitely got something to play for. I think Winston, you know, he has his errors, but I see him improving. I think the guy I want to focus on, though, is Cameron Brait. Tight, yes. tight end for the Buccaneers. You know, I got a couple of teams where my tight ends, like I think, you know, I think one team I've got Gronk and I need to find a backup tight end. Cameron Brait has been coming on strong. Last two or three games, he's got double-digit fantasy points. Like, he's worth picking up. Even if he gets a garbage time touchdown, I, I like him as the tight end. Do you? Uh, what do you think? I think so. I look at him in the in the, the same kind of uh, frame of uh, Zach Miller from the Chicago Bears. Actually, Cameron Bray, You know, remember he only got the starting job because uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins 
Yeah. DUI his way out of a t- uh, position on the team. Drunkenly drove right off the team. And Bray has slowly kind of integrated himself into this offense. So now we're at a point where he is a big part of it. And, you know, he, he won't get you, like, he'll get you 10 points uh, in PPR receptions, but he'll get you four catches. He might give you a touchdown. Uh, you know, he and from the tight end position, that's that's all you can really ask for. Anything else is a bonus. So Cameron Bray is always a touchdown threat every week, especially when Jameis Winston's been playing pretty well lately. Yeah, so yeah. He's definitely worth a look. Um. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense actually had a decent game in this. Do you think that's that's not worth anything? I don't really think their defense is going to replicate this type of work all over again. I think I'm hesitant. They have a couple nice pieces on that defense, but I'm hesitant to to kind of recommend them as you know um, a squad you can really really go out and uh, grab. They have one. They have a couple good wide uh, not wide receivers. I'm sorry. A uh, couple of good secondary guys. But yeah. Other than that, it's kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm i kind of struggling for other things to say about this game. It was kind of a schlocky game, man. I mean, the Bears are just so bad. Uh, I don't think we learned anything new about the Buccaneers. I mean, Jameis Winston is, listen, you know, I kind of think he's getting into that same world with Marcus Mariota. He is, you know, he's, 100%. At, he's evolving. He's getting better. I mean, he's a nice streaming quarterback if you look at the right uh, matchups with uh, defenses. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's uh, he he's had a couple of good games. His offensive line is still a little bit shaky, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he can kind of cause him to again some some pressuring trouble and uh, maybe uh, an interception here or there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's been playing pretty well. And again, it's the same kind of problems that Marcus Mariota is going to face yeah. out in Tennessee. So it's kind of a it's a low risk but potentially high reward situation. Yeah, and especially if you're stuck in a situation with like a Carson Palmer as your starting quarterback, a guy who you thought oh. was going to cash in and really has not been. God. Yeah, he's oh, been a little bit. Oh, lately. we're getting there. We're getting there. We're almost there. Next game on the dock. You ready to move on? Let's do it. Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. My first takeaway is Blake Bortles is a bad NFL quarterback, but he always manages to put up numbers in fantasy. What are your thoughts about Blake Bortles as a fantasy quarterback? I, 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 you touched on something there, and I think I'm still struggling with the question of is Blake Boyles a bad quarterback, mm-hmm. or is he just a quarterback with not so great receivers? Because Allen Robinson finally decided to make an appearance. Finally, this week. But I mean, I look at the rest of that roster: Marquise Lee. I don't really know many of these other receivers. I think, I think if he had another deep threat, we might be talking about Blake Boyles as one of the NFL's good quarterbacks. Yeah. So it's I know I, I, again I told you I'm struggling with this I even the words coming out of my mouth I'm like are you sure about that <laughs> so look Bortles is again he puts up the numbers there's got to be something there there's a lot of bad quarterbacks who can't put up the numbers that Bortles has and no. I think he had a pretty solid season last year no he listen he had Bortles had a solid season last year there that's why there was so much optimism for this season they thought he was going to take a step forward uh, he's. At this point, I almost want to say he's probably a better fantasy option for you at quarterback than a Joe Flacco. He's, wow. he's less likely to throw two picks per game a la Flacco. Yeah. And he'll probably give you a few more yards. and some, they, they throw the football a lot. Yeah, and... He throws the football a lot per game. Yeah, and, you know, even though it's garbage time, he usually he's usually good for at least a garbage time touchdown, and 
he he runs like Bortles will he he'll usually get you you know three or four fantasy points with his legs like thirty yards here forty yards there he's surprisingly uh, he, uh, he's surprisingly uh, light on his feet yeah for a quarterback so that's a very good point I I, I sometimes forget. He puts up some rushing yards. Now, the Texans, you want to talk about bad quarterbacks. So, Brock Osweiler throws two touchdowns, but yet he can't get over 100 yards passing. Um, We still, you know, he still continues to get a pass because his team wins. They're six, I don't know, how the hell are the Houston Texans six and three? I said the same thing. I don't, I got, and, and again, DeAndre Hopkins, forgettable. He he got I think the, I think he got thrown the ball thirteen times and he still only had like five catches or something like that. Here, looking at it right now, five yeah. catches for forty eight yards. He had thirteen targets. Is that him yeah, or that is that Brock Osweiler? That knock his spirit out. I don't know what does. I think that's Brock Osweiler, if you ask me. It's amazing uh, that the Houston Texans are six and two. Or six and three. I'm sorry, and just their offense is non-existent. They're no. anemic. They're so anemic. Lamar, Lamar Miller. I I had such high hopes for coming to this season, and 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 I don't know if this is his fault, man. It, it's very true. I don't know if it's the offensive line, uh, but I think there's just a lot of conservative play calling. Yeah. Also, and and you know, and 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 I, and I got to say this again. I think the conservative play calling is because of Brock Osweiler. I think they are truly understanding his limitations now that the season has gone forward, and they know they can't screw this up because they're 6-3. and three. They, they at least have an opportunity to win the division and get to the playoffs. They have to at least right. put something together so that they can, can feel confident having a game plan that'll work with Brock so he's not turning the ball over. You know what I mean? It's true. I'd feel more comfortable if the, the offensive coordinators could kind of work on a package of plays that would really, I guess, accentuate what Osweiler brings to the table, which is not much. No. He did not throw the football deep at all, really. Nope, nope. And sometimes you want him to, the opportunities are there, and he just doesn't. Like It's like, dude, what are you, gun-shy? Just get it out there, man. Throw a pick here or there, at least. And he didn't really throw any screen passes either. No! Which is something that Lamar Miller would excel at. He's got the speed. He can put on the afterburners after the catch. I don't... They do not do it. They almost never do it. I don't understand, but... Again, they keep winning, so why should anyone really question what the hell they're doing? I think what's going to—it'll really come out when they lose terribly in a playoff game or when they play a decent team. I mean, they played the Patriots. They got embarrassed, man. Yeah, it's—I I, I give up just trying to kind of figure out the pulse on this team. It still does not make any sense to me. I had to—I benched DeAndre Hopkins in one of my leagues. And he and he was my and he was my number. He was the first pick in the draft on that team. Yes, that is correct. He was. He was. I had the fifth pick. I took DeAndre Hopkins, and I had to bench him this week. That's a hard day when you got to kill your darlings, basically. Dude, no, that's not gonna work. Houston Texans been killing darlings all season, man. Uh, you want to move on? You get away from this game. Yeah, what do we got next? San Francisco 49ers lose a very close game to the Arizona Cardinals 23-20. Um, Arizona looks bad, and Colin Kaepernick looks good. Shaka, give me some thoughts on this game, if you have any. I think, I think, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, over the course of the last couple of games, Kaepernick has not looked bad. I think we said no. that last week, too. And he came out in, on an Arizona secondary 
and he, he threw the football. He was accurate. Yep. It's kind of been his knock. Yep. Um, and he ran the football. He was not afraid to go out there and pick up the big chunk of yards. Yeah. Like, um, like I, I like that. I like watching him play. I, I think now if he actually had some pieces at wide receiver, I mean, Jeremy Crowley had a pretty decent game. Yeah, that's but true. This team might actually have something, at least on the offensive side. Their, their defense is still... Still terrible. Still terrible. I, what I want to highlight is I do think Colin Kaepernick is 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 good. Um, I think he's improving week by week. I think he's absolutely becoming a very viable fantasy starter. What's okay? I'm looking for opportunities to take shots at Chip Kelly. All right, I'm just going to put it out there. All right, he really burned me a lot as the Eagles coach and GM or non-GM, whatever the hell he wants to call it. But what the hell does it say about Chip Kelly? that they went with Blaine Gabbert this long and then brought in Colin Kaepernick. And I mean, you know, maybe it's not night and day, but I think it's pretty obvious to the casual viewer that this team is better with Colin Kaepernick under center. And if that's the case, what the hell was the coaching staff seeing? I, 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 it's absolutely better. It's just, I, I don't understand what it was is Blaine Gabbert understanding the the playbook better is he I, I'm baffled I don't know if that had anything to do with the controversy you know of Kaepernick no 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 I, I think that I think that is totally separate which I it baffles me that all of a sudden they're finally like let's let's play him because Blaine Gabbert sucks uh, is probably the factor I, I don't understand it I, it's amazing to me and I think also Probably that whole idea of Chip Kelly coming in and saying, like, you know, he's going to at one point implement his own, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, regime, and Kaepernick is Dude. part of the old regime. Dude, Chip Kelly, it, man. It, it, you know what? You shoot yourself in the foot long enough, you're going to realize, hey, I, I probably I probably need to walk at some point. Yeah. So I should probably stop doing that. Do you, okay, would you recommend uh, anybody who's struggling at the quarterback position, like if you've got a Joe Flacco you know, would you recommend Colin Kaepernick as a, as an alternative? I'd feel better with Kaepernick over Joe Flacco, but it's also situational, like like um, matchup based. I, I would not have expected him to to play so well against the Arizona Cardinals defense. Yeah, but um, if you're playing like you're playing a Saints team or anyone with a Swiss cheese type of secondary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we'll look to see in the matchups coming up for next week, then you kind of decide it's you know. It's a, it's a situational pick. Other than that, I'd say stay away. Now, anybody else on the Niners worth having in your fantasy team? Do you trust any of these running backs? Do you trust any, I mean, Carlos Hyde came back, wasn't very good. Jeremy Curley has disappeared since Kaepernick came back, but now he has a good game. Like, anybody you want to touch? Because I think the whole team is toxic right now. Absolutely, I would stay away. I was... Kind of disappointed. I was hoping to see some more from Dewan Harris, but he didn't really do much this game. Yeah, I was disappointed by that too. Um, Cardinals. I don't want to take too much time on this, bad. but uh, the Cardinals—they are looking bad. They are looking real bad. Uh, the only guy I trust now is Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. Carson Palmer has been throwing 300 yards, but he's been throwing more picks than interceptions. And you know, right when we thought J.J. Nelson was going to come on strong, he disappeared, and Michael Floyd finally showed up for the first time this season. I think they're talking about maybe getting Michael Floyd some more looks, or at least kind of making it 
part of the uh, the strategy to have him get at least eight to ten targets a game. Mm-hmm. But that remains to be seen. He's still he's still too sporadic for me. And I never really got on board. He drops a lot of passes, but we'll see moving forward. I think they're really going to try and get him back as a as a big factor in the offense. Okay. Okay. Um, last question: Is this Cardinals team good? At this point, I can't really bring myself to say yes. Yeah. They should be good, but I, I'm hesitant. I, I don't think they really they don't really match up well with contending teams. And at this point, they, the 49 is giving them trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 mean, can't, I really can't give them a stamp of confidence. I mean, they squeaked out a win against this Niners team. Carson Palmer is pretty much at the crux of this whole thing, falling apart. Yeah. This is, again, very akin to, like, the... The, the uh, Oakland Raiders, Carson Palmer, we saw where there'd be one week of just like really great quarterback play and another week where just what the hell are you doing? Yeah. What were you thinking making that throw? No, I, I completely agree. This is, I mean, I'm looking for alternate. Like you got the yips. Yeah. And I mean, I've got Carson Palmer on a couple of my fantasy teams. I'm looking for alternatives. I'm looking for people like Colin Kaepernick and Marcus Mariota and, you know, I don't know, freaking Jared Goff. Let's see if he's any good. I definitely had. Someone else playing um, Carson Palmer at quarterback, and I think I looked at the matchup and I said, "49 is secondary. He's got to get at least two touchdowns." And he doesn't. And I look at the numbers and I'm flinching because I'm like, "How is that possible?" Yeah, this is a guy who was who was automatic last year. He's he's definitely lost his touch, and I'm not sure what the difference is. What's happened? That's kind of like stolen his mojo. I mean, I go back to the fact that I think they were playing so well last year, there's just no way they could replicate how well they were playing. And they should be playing better. They, they've got David Johnson for a full friggin' season Dude, I... running the football. They, they should have no problem, you know, balancing the offense. They should have equals part run and equals parts pass. And Honestly, if it's that difficult to get Carson Palmer kind of in a rhythm, you do more screen pass than David Johnson and you let him create. Yeah. I mean... Where the money is. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what to make of this team. I got to see them play again, and you know what? If they know what's good for them, you said it. Give it, give the rock to David Johnson. Just get the fuck out of the way. When in doubt. All right, last and probably least Thursday night football. Cleveland Browns lose lose to the Baltimore Ravens twenty eight seven, and they go to zero and ten. The thing that I took away from this game was Hugh Jackson did a little merry go round with uh, quarterbacks. He rotated in a handful of guys in this game. Um, none of them were were effective at all. Um, what the hell's there to say about this game, Shaka? One of the reasons I left it at the last game. There's nothing really to say. Do you have anything to say about it? Um, again, Cleveland Browns are great. If you're trying to rack up some fantasy points, I played the Baltimore defense against them, and I'm very happy I did. Ooh, good call, uh, man. Besides that, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I also did play uh. Mike Wallace, the receiver, he, he finally he finally came back down to earth. He cooled off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Flacco throws but, um, three touchdowns, which he doesn't do that often, all of them to non to not Mike Wallace. Rashad Paramus. Steve Smith uh, is back. Yeah. Uh, great if you're in the PPR league, um, and he's on the way where I pick him up. I think that's really all I've got. Yeah. Mike Wallace did come back down to earth. Uh, Terrence West was, was kind of mortal, but I still like him. He's still the lead back with Baltimore. Um... Terrell Pryor, I still like him. You know, Corey Coleman's back, but I, you know, aside from that, I think he had like a two-touchdown game earlier this season. Aside from that, you yeah. know, 
He hasn't really proven too much to me. Gary Barnage, you know, I thought he was going to perform a little bit better this season. You know, he's been somewhat consistent, but he hasn't been very good. Just, I mean, Terrell Pryor and Isaiah Crowell. I uh, Terrell Pryor and Isaiah Crowell. Those are the guys I like. What'd you say, man? No, I'm saying um, I, I I had gave up on Gary Barnett so early. It just I don't know what happened. He's fallen out of favor, I guess, in this uh this Hugh Jackson uh regime. They just don't really have kind of a package in place for the You know, and he also might be fitting into the Jordan Cameron situation. You know, Jordan Cameron had that one year where he was the bomb diggity tight end with Cleveland and then he went to Miami and you know, he kinda came back You're down right. to earth and I think that's what's happening You're- with Barnage. You're 100% right. I completely forgot Cameron had a fantastic season one year. Yeah, Jordan Cameron, by the way, is talking about retiring. He's had a couple of concussion issues with the Dolphins this year, and he can't stay on the field. That's Uh, what happened to, uh, God, what's his kid's name? Dustin Keller from the Jets. Dustin Keller, man. Fantastic years with the Jets. Goes over to the Dolphins, blows out his knee. Dude, when he blew out his knee in like a preseason game with the Dolphins, that was sad. Because he was, you know, I thought Dustin Keller was a great player, and I thought he was going to have a good season with the Dolphins. But, I mean. That was sad. I I really was upset when the Jets let him go. But even even worse to find out that his career was over. Yeah. So quickly. You know, and it was like a preseason game. I think he blew out his ACL and his MCL in the same play. Oh, just rough. Yeah. Um, well, here, that's it. We ran through our slate of games. It is time to go through the picks for next week. Shaka, let's start us out. Thursday night football, New Orleans Saints go on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Shaka, who you got? I like this game. Um, they played each other already this season, and, you know, this one was this one was a shootout, if I recall. Oh, yes, it um, was, and the Saints eked it out. I, I'm, I've got Drew Brees on my fantasy team. You better believe I'm playing him against that. That's Panthers secondary because it's terrible. Um, a rough loss for them against the Broncos this week. Are they in Carolina or are they they're at home in a dome? They are in Carolina. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, Brees plays a lot better in the dome. Mm-hmm. I, still like, I still like the chances against his defense, though. Uh, I, I got to go. I'm going to lean. New Orleans Saints on the Panthers. Yeah, I just don't like that Panthers uh, team. I'm with you, dude. I'm picking the Saints as well. I think the Panthers are just, this is that season. Super Bowl hangover, everything goes wrong for them. They lost, you know, I think they gave the Saints a run for their money uh, a couple of weeks ago, but the Saints offense, I said it earlier in this podcast, man, they are just dominant. Like, against that Panthers secondary, I think Drew Brees is going to have a field day, and as bad as their defense is, Saints are still going to outscore the Panthers. I got to go with the Saints as well. They can score on anybody, and I'm going to say Michael Thomas has a bounce-back game this week. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, next up, Pittsburgh Steelers go on the road against the Cleveland Browns. Shaka, who you got? Oh, my God, play everybody. We're just talking about we don't know <laughs> who the wide receivers are. The Steelers, it doesn't matter. Just pick somebody up on the waiver wire. Uh, Eli so, Rogers, Sammy Coates, Marcus Wheaton. Don't be surprised if Sammy's... Sammy Coates gets a 40, 50-yard touchdown pass this week, and that's his only catch of the game. Oof. Um, in all seriousness, uh, if you've got Roethlisberger and you're trying to figure out, you got two quarterbacks, you got to go with Roethlisberger. Yeah. Um, no. Bell is going to get a touch. Antonio Brown might get a touch. He's definitely going to get 10 catches. So if you're in a PPR, obviously you play him every week anyway. Um, my goodness. I'm trying to think of who the X Factor is. On the Steelers' offense, Ladarius Green, maybe. I'm probably leaving Coates just because 
Sammy Coach is a, is a home run threat and he's past you for one. But who knows? Also, let's not forget what Darius Green is playing this week. Yeah, man. They might, uh, they might try to work him into the offense just to kind of get him get his training wheels off, so mm-hmm. maybe Ladarius Green has a big game this Dude. week. Ladarius Green, hey, nothing to get your uh, season back on track like playing the Cleveland Browns defense. I am also picking the Steelers because nothing on the Cleveland Browns defense can slow down Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Not even close. Next up, Baltimore Ravens go on the road against the 8-1 and Dallas Cowboys. Shaka, who you got? I think the the Baltimore Ravens are going to get some pressure in the backfield. They're going to give uh, Dak Prescott a little bit of trouble. But I, I think when the game winds on, I think we're just going to see the uh, the power of Ezekiel Elliott, the stamina. He's going to kind of keep pounding away at this uh, this pass rush. And you know, Terrell Suggs loves a good challenge. But I think uh, I think the Cowboys keep rolling, man. I think they take him out, and especially that Cowboys defense is going to give. Joe Flacco in trouble, and he's already a, a, an interception kind of a machine. So, a couple turnovers are going to cost the Baltimore big hair, and I think Dallas wins. Okay. I uh, I agree with you as well. I'm picking the Cowboys at home. Um, Ravens are probably one of the one of the only teams that I think uh, you know the Cowboys are going to be playing that can actually defeat them. Ravens got a good defense. It should be a good game, but... Cowboys are clicking on all cylinders. I agree they're going to cause trouble for Joe Flacco. And I think as good as the Ravens' defense is, they will hold they will hold Ezekiel Elliott to under, under 100 yards rushing, but they will not stop the Cowboys from scoring more points. I see Des Bryant getting into the end zone. I actually almost kind of feel like I see a rushing touchdown for Dak Prescott. I got to go with the Cowboys, but I think it's going to be close. Jacksonville Jaguars go on the road against the Detroit Lions. Shaka, who you got? Ooh, um, the Lions were in a bye last week. Correct. Uh, Stafford, I'm really curious to see how he does against that secondary. He's, he's got enough weapons to kind of carve them up, and Jacksonville's so damn underwhelming. I think they come back fresh from the bye. I think the Lions... Welcome the Jaguars to their home, and I think they absolutely eviscerate them. I'm looking for Stafford to throw three touchdowns here. Um, and probably, you know what? I'm going to go Golden Tate with two of those touchdowns. Ooh. Bold prediction. Wow. I don't think the run game gets too involved with Jacksonville. But you better believe they're, uh, they're going to they're gonna put up some points. I say uh, the Lions for sure. I'm also picking the Lions as well. Coming off a bye, Matthew Stafford quote-unquote MVP candidate. I don't know if I believe that, but, I mean, this is a Lions team that is primed to win the division. With the Packers falling, with the Vikings falling, the Lions, man, they could jump right in. They're 5-4. and four. I think the Jaguars are struggling in a lot of facets of the game, and, you know, Detroit has got all... They've got enough things going right for them that they're going to take advantage of this Jaguars team, and Jaguars, they can... They'll do some good stuff, but you know this isn't the Chicago Bears. I don't think the Lions are going to lay this are, are going to lay an egg at home. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Lions. I think they'll pull this one out. And, and you know what? You'll probably see some garbage touchdowns by Blake Bortles, but I don't think it's going to be a difference maker in the game. I'm picking the Lions. She got Allen Robinson. I'd say put him in the flex. He's he's probably due for another big game. Do totally agree with that. Next up, Tennessee Titans go on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. More AFC South schlock. Shaka, who you got? 
Hey, if you're a fantasy owner, this is the kind of game you're looking for, man. Dude, Marcus this is Mariota. totally the game you're looking for. Mariota's going to keep the good times rolling, I think. I think he's going to get a couple more touchdown passes. He might be a little more accident-prone and sloppy-prone. The Colts defense every now and then has a couple of uh, shining stops. Mm-hmm. But they still they got awful, and they're still terrible. DeMarco Murray does his thing as usual. Um, I think Andrew Luck's going to have a couple of big touchdowns against uh, a so-so Tennessee defense. But I'm still going to have to go Titans on this one, um, just in terms of sheer volume and just talent. They have the running game is a far better. They can get some defensive pressure and some stops. I see Tennessee over Indianapolis. Okay, so you're picking the Titans. I am going to agree with you. This is these are these two guys. These two teams met in Tennessee a few weeks ago, and I picked the Titans then, and they disappointed me because Andrew Luck and the Colts upset them. I think the Titans have the things going their way at the right time, right when they need it to. I think this is time for payback. They're going to make Andrew Luck and the Colts look like fools. I think they are going to run all over the place, and I think they're going to learn from their mistakes from the last couple of weeks. I'm picking the Titans as well. i got to have faith in their ability to keep this momentum going because if they can't, if they lose this game to the Colts, and all of a sudden they go right back into the middle of that mess with the AFC South, I mean, they just they just proved themselves further and further to be completely appropriate for that horrific division. I want them to win. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I got to pick Tennessee. They've just looked so darn good. I think I picked the Titans uh, last time too, the last matchup as well. Yeah, and we were both wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next up on the docket, Buffalo Bills go on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. Shaka, who you got? This is a. This is a pretty interesting matchup. Um, I, I think Cincinnati is a better team than they are. Mm-hmm. On that, that well, at least that we've seen so far this season. And meanwhile, Buffalo Bills are a better team than we expected to see mm-hmm. this season. That being said, um, Sean McCoy is healthy, or healthier than he was before. Tyrod Taylor still remains the probably most underrated NFL quarterback we have right now who's playing good football. And... I think he's going to get an opportunity to to take apart that uh that Cincinnati secondary kind of in the same way that Eli did. If they can kind of get the running game going and uh, get a couple of big pass plays in, I think their defense is more than enough to keep Andy Dalton and uh, AJ Green under wraps. Green's still going to have his monster game just because he gets so many friggin' targets. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Arthur's going to be helpful, but I think just. It's just a tail of the tape for the Cincinnati Bengals this year. They just do not have enough firepower. Okay. I'm going to go Buffalo in this one. I'm picking the Bills as well, man. After what I saw from the Bengals against the Giants, they just, I've given the Bengals way too much credit, and each time they've disappointed me. Whereas Buffalo, I mean, this is a team that I saw, you know, they, they gave the Seattle Seahawks a run for their money on Monday Night Football last week. Like, this is a Bills team which is very dangerous, underrated. Tyrod Taylor, McCoy, these guys are beasts. The defense is better than people think, and I I think your assessment of this game is spot on. Even in Cincinnati, I think the Bills are going to come in and push around the Bengals. They're going to do what they want. They're going to move the ball. They're going to run all over them. And when the Bengals really need a a third down conversion, they're not going to be able to get it against that Bills defense. i got to go with the Bills. Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Shaka, who you got? Oh, man. Um, Kansas City, man, their defense is just undeniable. So good. You really 
you really can't really go in with any kind of game plan to try to crack them, to try to break their, uh, their you know, give credit to Andy Reid, you know, this steadfast stalwart. No one's really figured out a way to kind of break their, uh, their spirit. You just, you, I don't want to say you get lucky, but you just kind of have to have a hell of a ball game. That being said, you can probably score at least 20, 25 points in that Kansas City Chiefs defense. You got a good chance of winning because their offense ain't really much to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I like Tampa Bay and I like uh, Jameis Winston, but uh, he's still got a few, uh, like you said, he's still got a few kinks to iron out. He's still prone to making some mistakes. And I think Kansas City's going to expose those mistakes, especially with that secondary. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw a couple picks in this game. And if they can get some pressure on uh, an offensive line in the pass rush, uh, he's probably going to get a fumble or two because he, he, he has a couple of fumble tendencies. Okay. He's not going to be able to run the football either. So I'm going to go Kansas City in a close one over Tampa Bay. Okay. I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking the Chiefs as well. I think that the Buccaneers' offense can look amazing, but they tend to look amazing against weaker defenses. And against strong defenses, I think they've struggled. The Rams was about the only one where they actually looked good. But Chiefs' defense is so damn good right now. Um, I mean, especially when you're playing in Kansas City. I think Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers are going to get shell-shocked a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I agree. I think it'll probably be closer than we think because they've got a pretty high-powered offense, and Kansas City you know, is, is certainly not relying on their offense to, to beat you. Um, but I think the, you know, defense wins championships. The Chiefs are they're on a roll, and they're going to manhandle the Buccaneers. I think that you're right. Jameis Winston's going to throw a couple of picks, and uh, Kansas City's going to pull this one out. i got to go with the Chiefs. I say look for Travis Kelsey to have a big game. It's about Ooh, time. like that. Travis Kelsey, big game. That's a good call, man. Good call. Uh, Chicago Bears go on the road against the New York Giants. Shaka, who you got? Uh, this is going to be short and sweet. Jay Cutler's terrible. He's not going to be able to crack that secondary. Um, if that Look, that Giants front seven plays as well as they did against Cincinnati. Andy Dalton's a much better quarterback than Jay Cutler. Um... I, look, if you got the Giants defense, I'd say roll them out against this Bears uh, offense. Good call. It, 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 it's a very tempting, tempting prospect, and I, I like the chances of them getting a pick six or at least a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Okay. Somebody in that defense is going to score. So mm. I, I'm, going, I'm going behind all the way in this one easy, no question. Maybe Landon Collins? Landon Collins, pick six, maybe? Uh, probably the most likely. Or, uh, you know what? Um, let's go Vernon, even. Ooh, Wow. Um, I'm agreeing with you. I'm picking the Giants as well. The Bears are terrible. The Giants are on a roll. They're at home. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for them to just scoop up another win. If they lose, oh, God, that's, that. there's going to be even more to talk about if the Giants lose. I mean, this is a bad team. This is a very bad Bears team. Uh, Jordan Howard's going to have a pretty solid game, but I don't think he gets 100 yards. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, that, uh, I think they're going to be playing from behind, and you're going to see Jay Cutler throwing the ball a lot. Uh, next up on the docket, Arizona Cardinals go on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, two teams that are looking bad and both need a win. Shaka, who you got? You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it's just, it's like, these are two, it's like two planes that are out of fuel already and they're just crash landing on the runway. (laughs) Which one of these guys is going to get there first? Which Um, one of them is going to have the most survivors after this crash landing? I, I, this is probably the toughest game to call because... That Vikings defense is still respectable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're not putting up any points. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm going to agonize over this one. I'm going to make my pick. I'm going to go say Arizona 
just because of the David Johnson factor. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a sleepless night about this one and go. I should have gone the other way, but I'm still gonna go Arizona just with a slight edge in the run game. And um, I don't know. I just don't see Sam Bradford and uh, Stephen Diggs putting up enough of a uh, two man offense to do anything. Their running game is terrible. They're not gonna be able to crack anything. Yeah. I say Arizona for sure. I uh, I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. This is fun. We'll have a nice contrarian pick. I think that yeah. the Vikings, as bad as their offense is, they're at home. Uh, and I think that the Cardinals are a team, like I said, is sputtering and struggling almost just as much as they are. And I think as much as the Cardinals are able to move the ball, this is going to be an opportunity for the Vikings defense to get back on track. I think they'll make a couple of big stops, pick off Carson Palmer, put themselves in field position so that Sam Bradford can move the ball enough to kick a few field goals, get a touchdown here or there. Again, a very close game because they're going to be heavily relying on their defense. But I think Sam Bradford will find holes in the secondary of Arizona just a little bit. And Arizona's going to have enough trouble moving the ball that Minnesota's going to squeak out the win. And I think they're going to turn, you know, they're on a four-game losing streak. They are bound for a win. Coming home, playing a struggling offense like the Cardinals, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Okay. This, yeah, this is a tough one, man. Uh, Miami Dolphins go on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. Shaka, who you got? Well, I know my Jets just lost to the Rams, and they should have not have. They have no business losing to the Rams. And I don't see Miami Dolphins uh, reproducing those same uh, results. I, I say they go in there, they pound the running game with a Ajayi, and I think, again, Ryan Tannehill just does just enough to put some points on the board, and then you just dare Jared Goff, who is new to that offense, mm-hmm. to kind of come out there and beat you really would have boiled down to it. And you know what? Jared Goff goes out there and wins good. It's about time Arizona figured out what they were working with. I just don't see it happening initially. I think he had some rookie some rookie jitters, and I think uh, Miami puts them away. Dolphins over the Rams here. I'm agreeing with you. I think the Dolphins are hot. I think their defense is looking pretty darn good. Perfect opportunity for them to go up against a, a guy on his first NFL start. Um, the Rams... I mean, listen, Jared Goff is an unknown commodity. I know he's the number one overall pick, but the fact that they benched him this long into the season says something at least about his preparation. Um, I I don't have faith in the Rams to pull out this win. I think they're going to make it stingy. It's going to be a defensive game. You know, Tannehill's going to struggle to get points on the board, but the Dolphins are hot right now, and, you know, starting Jared Goff, I don't think it's going to turn the tide for the Rams. i got to go with the Dolphins as well. Hey, remember when we talked about um, Miami Dolphins' defense being a situational game? Yeah. This is, this is a good situation. <laughs> it might be worth the play. It might be worth the play against Dolphins. This is a... I'm smelling pick a pick six here. It might be all worth it. Yeah, very, very good call, Shaka. Um, New England Patriots go on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Shaka, who you got? Yeesh. Oh, man. Um... We know the Patriots' defense is vulnerable, um, and I only say that just if you're thinking about playing Colin Kaepernick, you're probably going to get two touchdowns, and you're probably going to get two picks as well, just because he's going to have to throw so much to keep up with that Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. But I would say expect a big day from Kaepernick, but it means absolutely nothing because the Patriots are going to roll right over him. 
that's pretty much all I got. I'm sorry. There's not much else to that story. Dude, there's nothing else to say, man. I'm picking the Patriots as well. I'm, and my recommendation is start all of your Patriots. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, aside from Gronk, Gronk is going to sit out this game, but you know what that means? Start Martellus Bennett. Who had a great game last anyway with Gronk. Dude, he had a great game even with Gronk playing, but even more so without Gronk, Martellus Bennett, I think he's primed for a good day, especially against a Niners defense. Expect Garrett Blunt to get at least a touchdown. They like to kind of pound the, the run. Let's be clear here. Blunt is having a career year. He is, really. Like, not just looking good, but looking amazing, and they're using him every week. I mean, this is a perfect time to start Blunt. Okay. this I think this is Shaka and Sam's game of the week. Philadelphia Eagles go on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Shaka, who you got? Fuck yeah. This is, uh, this is tough, man. This is going to be a good game. Going into, into Seahawk territory, where Legion of Boom is really good at home. Really good. This is probably going to be, I'd say at least defensively speaking, his toughest test yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even more so, I'd say so, than the Vikings. Uh, I just, this is a really well-coordinated, well, you know, like prideful uh, Seattle Seahawks defense. And I think they're going to try and get at the offensive line. They're going to try and bully him. They're going to try and rush, hurry, and put pressure on Carson Wentz. But again, it's going to be a rough one for him, but I think the the uh, the hinge point, everything, the whole kind of story pivots, is on how well Russell Westbrook on the other side can play against this uh, this Eagles defense, which mm-hmm. is really fucking good in its own its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's not a very steady, solid, consistent year. Yeah, but uh, he 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 heats up every now and then. He's known to put up some big numbers. So, um, man home game. I'm going to go ahead and say Seahawks by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be a low score. I say 17 to 10, maybe. I am Seahawks. I'm really excited for this game. I'm going to do my contrarian pick, pick the Eagles. I'm sure it's not the favorite pick, but now after I picked them uh, after I picked them to win against the the lose against the Vikings and I was wrong, I got to stick with my Eagles. So, I'm going to pick the Eagles, but I'm also going to give a few reasons here. I actually think the Eagles have a better defense than the Patriots, so I think that the Seahawks are going to be tested a little bit more on a defensive end. I think we're kind of a little sort of swayed a little bit by the fact that they blew up against this bad Patriots defense. I mean, this is the same Seahawks uh, offense that was struggling against the Rams, against uh, the Cardinals. You know, I think the Eagles defense is going to cause trouble for them, and I actually think it's going to be closer than we think. I think you're right. I think it might be a touchdown or a field goal. Also... The Eagles have clearly shown that they like to run the ball and they like to hold the ball time of possession. I'm going to say this again. Their wide receiving core is not what they rely on. Carson Wentz airing the ball out is not what they're relying on, at least not this season, which means running the ball is good. And and here's what I want to highlight. They match up well. Okay, The Legion of Boom is great at shutting down a passing game. Now, I'm not saying that the front seven for Seattle is not amazing. I'm not saying Michael Bennett or Cliff Averill are not dominating forces, but when you get physical, when you start to push them with the offensive line, pound the ball as much as you can, and then get a couple of nice third-down pass conversions here and there, a little screen pass to Darren Sproles, I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball more than most opponents on the Seahawks. And I think 
Because of that, you're going to see a much closer game, and the Eagles at least are going to have an opportunity to win this game. And that's why I feel confident saying, yeah, I think they could win. Because I do think they could win, and I think if they play their game right, they could shock everybody and beat this Seahawks team. Now, Seahawks are awesome. It's hard. They just beat the Patriots. They're 6-2-1. and one. I mean, this is a Super Bowl contender. They could absolutely dominate. You're in Seattle. But as a homer, lover of the Eagles, there's a real chance they can win this game. I'm going to pick them. Okay. Yeah. Thank that's, a very, that's a very compelling argument. Thank you. I, I really don't have any kind of disagreement with you on that one. But. Thank, thank you for letting me get on my soapbox. Oh, and, and look, my Jets on a bye week. I'll gladly let you take the lane <laughs> for this coming weekend. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Sunday night football, Golden, uh, golden bleh, Sunday night football, Green Bay Packers go on the road against the Washington Redskins. Shaka, who you got? This is a big game for the Packers. This is a huge game for the Packers. They are not playing well at all. This is, this is a must win for the Packers. I, I, I have a funny feeling that Kirk Cousins, you know, Probably has. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think he really wants to kind of be the, the team that lets the Packers kind of catch their breath. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he's, he'd be more than happy to be the guy who kind of gives them the knockout blow. I really don't like counting Aaron Rodgers out. I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's, he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer for sure. But I think he's really, I mean, this is really pretty much the the low point of the, the season for the team right now. Yeah, they're funk. They've got so many questions on that offense, offensive line, the running back, the wide receiver situation. I, it, it's a mess, and that's not even covering what's going on with the defense. I McCarthy, I, he he's got a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns and a lot of problems, and I think Washington's going to give them all they can handle. I say I I, I just. In my mind, I see Washington coming out of this with a W with a game-winning uh, field goal. Ooh. I'm going to go Washington. I'm going to go with the hot end, man. I, I, I like Jordan Reed too much. You factor in Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis, you got Jameson Crowder. Robert Kelly's running the football really well. And they just Everything that the Packers need right now, they're staring at the other side of the field, and Washington has all those attributes they need yeah. to win a football game. And yeah. The only question is that quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback, but he just does not have the tools to win this. Yeah. I, I, dude, I totally agree. I'm picking Washington as well. I think the Packers, something is something is rotten in the state of Green Bay, man, because it, it's not working. Aaron Rodgers is struggling. Uh, you know, the Washington defense is coming on in just the right ways, and especially with all of the offensive line problems that Green Bay is having, Washington's yeah. going to take advantage of that. And then you flip to the other side of the ball, Washington's offense looks good. Robert Kelly's running the ball. Jamison Crowder is, is stretching the field like – Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed, it's going to get ugly. I think it'll be a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring because Green Bay, even when they're losing, they find ways to score a lot. But, you know, when when it's a big third down conversion, I see Washington stopping the Packers. I, I, I you know, I think another statement game is going to be a big statement game for Washington. I got to go with the Redskins, man. Feels it, It's yeah. hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers, but I mean... Dude, it's true. It feels it feels awkward, but I just there's nothing there's nothing solid there. There's no there's no, there's no answers. No, to the questions they have, the problems they have. No, and you know what? I don't think they're gonna find those answers in Washington either. They're gonna have to come back home and play like the Bears to find answers like that. Something. 
They didn't play the Bears too well before either. Oh, God. Jesus. Packers looking bad. Who you know? Mike McCarthy might be on the hot seat real soon. I think he is already. I think I think he is already. It's I oh God. I didn't I didn't think we'd be saying that. I heard people saying that at yeah. the top of the season, but I mean, I was, how did we get to this point where Mike McCarthy's job is a question? Now, when would that ever happen? I don't know, man. Packers have, and you know they got Jordy Nelson back. I mean, I don't know what the hell to tell them. Uh, Monday Night Football. Houston Texans go on the road against the Oakland Raiders, and they play this game in Mexico City. I did not know that. Neither did I until I watched Monday Night Football last night, and they were making a whole thing about it. I was like, oh, shit, I guess the NFL's going to Mexico, too. Okay, Oakland's also coming off the bye this week. Correct. And I expect them to finally, someone, God, please put the Texans in their place. They have no business being at 6-2 and for this is six and three. So they have no business being with a winning record period no, because they no. don't have an offense to speak of. Correct. The defense was still pretty good, but I don't see the defense being tough enough, especially after what Oakland did to Denver. Yeah, and we're talking about yeah. Derek Carr, Amari Cooper. You got to do a lot to slow down those guys. These guys are fresh off the bye. I, I, I expect them to come in there and put a. I don't want to say a beating, but you got to beat them. You got to score. Um, Brock Osweiler is going to have to throw that football, and I don't see him being able to do that nope. enough to keep up with uh, Derek Carr and, and the squad he's got around him. I say Oakland, God, I don't want to say a blowout. I'm going to say 14 points. I, uh, I'm picking the Raiders as well, man. They're just the, the offense is too good. Houston has had too many issues. Houston struggles to play on the road. Even, even in Mexico, I still think they're going to struggle to play on the road. Um, I just don't have faith in Brock Osweiler in that offense. And I think that their wins, a lot of their wins are against AFC South opponents, against the Titans, the Jaguars, the Colts, you know, these other schlocky teams. Oakland Raiders are not to be denied. That's a team that wants to go to the playoffs and sort of, you know, vanquish as many demons that they've acquired over the last 10 or 15 years. And, you know, the Texans are just going to be another notch in their belt. I'm going with the Raiders all the way. Yeah, man, they're going to have it. Okay, so we got to pick. We're pretty much done for today's show. I wanted, although I want to throw a trade option your way that I just got recently, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Shaka. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Okay, I got a buddy of mine. He has uh, a lot of running backs on his team. He's got Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Jay Ajayi on his team. He also has Jordan Howard sitting on his bench. He got a trade off. Yeah, I know. He's got, like, ridiculous amounts of running backs. But he got a trade offer for Jordan Howard. Someone offered him Jamison Crowder for Jordan Howard straight up. Now, let me tell you, his wide receivers, he's got Mike Evans. And then after Mike Evans, he's got a bunch of schlock. He's got Cole Beasley. He's got Quincy Anunwa, And he's got Alan Hearns. So after Mike Evans, he really doesn't have any wideouts. But he's got a lot of running backs. So someone said, hey, give me Jordan Howard. I'll give you Jamison Crowder one for one. What do you think? Honestly, I think uh, I don't think Jam- I like Jameson Crowder personally, but at the same time, Jameson Crowder is not an elite. He's not a, an out of reach. You can get him from the waiver wires, and if that's the case, you can probably pick up from the waiver wires if you look. I'm sure Tyrell Williams is probably out there for mm-hmm. San Diego. Mm-hmm. Or I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. Um, I, I said before, Cameron. I think Cameron Meredith is due for a bigger role in that Chicago Bears offense, especially now with Alshon Jeffrey out. Okay. You're going to need to throw the football to someone. Mike Williams might be out there. Steve Smith might be out there. 
those guys will give you those same PPR numbers, you know, uh, and Jameson Crowder will. Maybe not to the extent, but, God, you got Jordan Howard that's to give him up so easily. There's got to be something else. He, he's got to sweeten the pot a little bit. There's got to be a better wide receiver okay. he can get for the value. Okay. I mean, if there's really not much else to be had in the waiver wire list, then I guess you make the trade, but you don't have to. You don't have to feel the pressure. Okay. All right. just, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I came my way, and I figured I'd bounce it off you too. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I'm like, well. I mean, the only thing that I liked about the trade is the fact that, you know, he's going into his playoffs and he just wants some better wide receiver options and he's just got so many friggin' running backs. I couldn't really... It's like, you know, it's not a bad idea. My recommendation, if it were me, I would sit and I would look at the Washington Redskins schedule for the rest of the season. I know they play the Cowboys again. I think mm-hmm. they play the Eagles again. No, they play the Eagles again. And you just look to see what the matchups are. Look what his past... Uh, performances are against those teams and see if it's a worthwhile grab because I know he had a couple games where he was quiet and then after that he went on a tear yeah yeah um okay that's uh thank you just wanted your thoughts on that Chaka that's all we got for this week thank you for breaking down week 10 with me um Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, I'm going to do the the normal shtick. Sam Sports Podcast, downloaded on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Subscribe to me on iTunes. Um, Check out my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Please like my Facebook page. You will see I will usually post my shows there. Um, Also, follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones or uh, follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. I'm looking forward to this week of football. Also getting ready for next week's Thanksgiving week of football. Should be a lot of good Thanksgiving games. Shaka and I will be sure to break down everything leading into the Thanksgiving weekend. Shaka, is there anything you'd like to say before we do our final sign-off? As usual, I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Sam, always a blast working with you, my brother. Um, And guys, just enjoy the shit out of the games this weekend. I will. Yeah, everybody, enjoy uh, this weekend's slate of games. We certainly enjoy you tuning in and listening and uh, savoring the NFL as much as we do. We enjoy doing this every single week, and thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, and, uh, on that note, it's time to peace out. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the games. Send in any questions or comments or trades or options you have for fantasy. We're happy to answer those questions here on the show. Always email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear from you. But that's all we have for today. We're signing off. Shaka and Sam, the Fantasy Buddha. We'll catch you next week. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. See you next week.